www.newsradio.com. the 12th of December. It's the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you chose the Blessed Virgin Mary as the bearer of blessings to all the nations. Send preachers of the gospel to all parts of the world. You sent the Blessed Virgin Mary as a sign of hope for those who live under tyranny and exploitation. Send men and women of the gospel to bear your liberating word to all who suffer. You appointed the Blessed Virgin Mary as the mother of all peoples. Send messengers of your life-giving love to all who live in the shadow of death. Father of love and mercy, you sent your son to take on human flesh through the consenting love of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Grant that Our Lady of Guadalupe may watch over the needs of all peoples under her patronage, especially the peoples of the Americas. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad you're along here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We're doing a video stream in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com is where you can find that. Up this hour, Father Boniface Hicks is going to have more thoughts on personal prayer and on experiencing new things in prayer. Marlon De La Torre will have more to say about Our Lady of Guadalupe and her feast today. We'll look at a uh, prayer from a hymn, actually, from Advent with Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy. And then Father Frank Donio will discuss uh, St. Vincent Pilati on prayer, especially as it relates to Advent. So please do stay with us if you are able. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. President Biden welcomes Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to the White House today. Zelensky's visit comes at a critical moment in negotiations for aid to Ukraine. The Biden administration wants Congress to pass its more than $100 billion package for Ukraine, Israel and other national security priorities. But Republicans say they'll only support that package if it comes with significant U.S. border policy changes. Zelensky will also be meeting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill while he's in the United States. Meanwhile, a new poll shows nearly half of voters believe the U.S. is spending too much on aid for Ukraine in its war against Russia. Mark Mayfield has more. The Financial Times Michigan Ross poll found that 48 percent of voters said the U.S. is sending too much financial and military support to Kiev. Meanwhile, 27 percent said the U.S. was spending the right amount and 11% said the spending was not enough. This comes as lawmakers are divided over an aid package requested by President Biden that includes funding for both Ukraine and Israel. Republicans are demanding U.S. border policy reforms in exchange for more Ukraine aid. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Texas mother at the center of a lawsuit over the state's heartbeat law has left the state to get an abortion somewhere else. That according to the Center for Reproductive Rights. Kate Cox had brought a suit saying her unborn baby was diagnosed with a fatal condition, but her doctors refused an abortion, claiming fears of prosecution. Last week, a lower court had ruled in Cox's favor, but that was immediately paused by the state Supreme Court. 
Christians in Jordan are planning low-key Christmas celebrations as a gesture of solidarity with Palestinians. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Christmas will be different this year in the Kingdom of Jordan. No lights will shine as Christians celebrate the coming of the Lord. The usually cheerful festivities will be muted at the request of Christian leaders in the country in a gesture of solidarity with the suffering Palestinian people just across the border. Pope Francis has repeatedly called for a ceasefire in Gaza, where more than 18,000 people have died since Israel began military operations on the 8th of October. The decision to cancel festivities, including bazaars, musical celebrations and the distribution of gifts, came from the Jordanian Council of Churches, which asked that its communities restrict their Christmas celebrations to prayer and religious ceremonies, as well as on donating to funds in support of children in Gaza. Over 10,000 children have died so far in the Strip. Moreover, almost 2 million people have been displaced, with nowhere to go, and with neither food nor water. Observers are describing the situation as desperate, a humanitarian catastrophe. Bethlehem, too, will be dim over the Christmas period. There will be no Christmas tree at the traditional site of Jesus' birth. We will celebrate in sobriety, said Father Francesco Paton, of the custody of the Holy Land. No celebrations this year, as the world weeps for the victims of violence. I'm Francesca Merlo. Google has lost an antitrust lawsuit from video game company Epic Games after a jury found the Google Play phone app is an illegal monopoly. Epic Games, maker of the popular Fortnite game, has been fighting Google and Apple for years over how the App Store's payment sharing systems work. The company changed its software so customers could pay Epic directly to get around paying Google as much as 30 percent, and the game was kicked off the Google platform. On Monday, a jury found Google was operating an illegal monopoly through its app. Google says it will appeal. And new Los Angeles Dodgers star Shohei Otani is deferring most of his record-breaking contract. Over the weekend, Otani agreed to a 10-year, $700 million deal to play for the Dodgers, the largest contract in U.S. sports history. The baseball star will reportedly defer $68 million of his annual $70 million salary in an effort to lower the Dodgers' payroll and tax issues. The deferred money would then be paid to Otani between 2034 and 2043. Who is it that still gets paid by the Mets? That'd be Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like this. Don't say. Don't bring this up next time Father Phil's on, on, on hold. <laughs> it's a very sore subject. For, I uh, believe it. For Mets, Mets country. Uh, you know what? I... I've always kind of wondered about these massive contracts. Like, if you're a good player, you want to get paid, but you also want to win. And if you get paid too much, you can't pay anybody else to come help right. you. Right. And then you're like so, the only good player. I mean, I know that there's probably sports people who could break this down and explain this uh, to me in a way that would make sense. But I feel like if I had made like more money that I could possibly spend in a lifetime, I'd go sign with a team that I really wanted to play on and win with for like a dollar. Yeah. And get them to get like as many amazing people around me as possible. I think I that's, know. yeah. I mean, I but think that's, that's a good uh, idea. I'm not, uh, I don't know how Paul to talk Lockman just got in my ear. Zeros. Paul Lockman just got in my ear and said that wouldn't work because of players' unions. Oh. All right. Well, I don't work for that much more than that on Catholic Radio.
More than $700 million? You don't work though? No, I mean, I feel like it's all deferred. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's all, it's you're all deferred. You're storing up treasures in heaven. Storing up treasures in heaven. <laughs> it is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks, and he is the author of... Uh, Personal prayer. It is a guide to receiving the Father's love. We've been talking about various experiences in prayer. Father Boniface, good morning. Morning, Matt. Great to be with you. Yeah, great to be with you as well. And you've got a section towards the end of your book on newness in prayer and experiencing new things in prayer. And I know you're not just talking about uh, just trying random new stuff to see what happens. What are you kind of referring to uh, in this idea of newness and renewal in prayer? Well, on, on uh, two different fronts. One is that uh, God is infinitely creative, and so we don't have to pursue uh, new things. We can trust that God is always, uh, he's ever ancient, ever new. He's always doing uh, new things. It's one of my, my favorite lines from uh, Pope Francis's very first homily right after he was elected. He said, the Holy Spirit creates a lot of the problems. He's always doing new things. <laughs> But he said, the Holy Spirit's also the one that harmonizes and, uh, and brings everything into, uh, back into harmony with the newness. But the, uh, on the one hand, God is always doing new things. God is uh, infinitely creative and, and always young, always bringing forth what is new. Uh, so just being open to that, to receiving that. And then for us, that happens not by uh, trying new things, like you said, Matt, not just uh, hopping from one thing to the next, but actually by going deeper. As we go deeper into interiority, vulnerability, transparency, as we open our hearts more, we discover that there are newer and newer depths. And so it's not by me hopping from being a Benedictine to a Dominican to a Franciscan to a Jesuit, but actually going deeper into the Benedictine charism, deeper into my heart, living this, this life uh, more fully maintaining my stability, but then allowing the, the, the newness right where I am to, to keep emerging from that. Well, not to bring the Jesuits into it after all of that, but uh, I can't help but think of uh, one of the pieces of advice that St. Ignatius gives uh, for people who are experiencing times of spiritual darkness, and that is don't just blow up your whole routine and just find something new. <laughs> you know, the, one of the things that he says is that stick with the exercises, stick with uh, you know, some of the patterns and disciplines. And, you know, I I am amazed how, you know, sometimes people will ask, you know, people coming from outside the church, uh, you know, who are preparing to receive First Holy Communion as adults, they'll say, what, what am I going to feel? I'm like, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, most of the time I don't quote unquote feel anything, but every once in a while, like every eight or nine weeks or so, I have, feel this immense sense of consolation. And I haven't done anything all that different. It's just that Christ has done something different in me. And there is a newness. Uh, I can't predict it. I can't anticipate it. But there is something that is well, as St. Augustine said, ever ancient and ever new in just the gifts God has given us in the sacraments. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's, uh, as St. Ignatius said, don't do uh, something new in a time of desolation when, when, when you're down right. and things are difficult, when God seems different uh, or distant. But uh, rather, like you said, Matt, uh, there are those times of spiritual consolation that come out of nowhere. That's not something that we earn, uh, certainly. 
And God inspires new things, opens up new doors, leads us to new places, sometimes in those, those times of spiritual consolation, and do that. And so uh, we can be inspired to take a, a new direction. And the, and the lives of the saints are filled with uh, sometimes radical changes in direction, not from bad to, to correct, but even in the midst of, uh, well, like Mother Teresa in her vocation, in a vocation, that uh, she was living very happily as a Loretto nun for 18, 19 years, and then the Lord did this radically new thing for her. Uh, but even in the same sort of external circumstances, also the, the depths can be opened up in a, in a new way within us. Well, this is, uh, you know, I think a, a great way to look at what it means to have a living um, relationship with God or to be growing spiritually. Those ideas of living and growth kind of imply newness. Like, I'm the same guy I was, uh, but the cells in my body are very different cells than they were a year ago because I'm alive, right? If I were dead, yeah, so I'd be the same cells forever. Uh, you know, that, that idea of growth and life... Uh, at least to me, helps me understand a little bit of what it means to sort of be renewed. I mean, my my skin is being renewed constantly, like invisibly on the cellular level because I'm alive, right? And that's part of being alive. Yeah, that's really amazing to think about all of that, uh, how, how much is because our experience of ourselves isn't like that. We, we feel like basically the same person, and yet the, the sort of biological reality is all of this transformation, uh, death and growth, uh, new life, birth is, uh, is happening in our, in our own bodies all the time. And, and we could say similar things about our, our prayer life, that there's a, a way in those experiences like you described, Matt, you know, every eight or nine weeks, and then we encounter him, and it's as if I've fallen in love with him for the first time, that I've encountered this depth in him and this depth in myself that I didn't even know was there, and it's it's so amazing that it's like uh, I'm, I'm having this experience for the for the first time. It's a real renewal of my my love for him, my relationship with him. What would you say to somebody listening right now? Before we let you go, who thinks this all sounds fantastic, but has you know no idea how to access this kind of sense of newness and renewal and life and vitality and growth in their prayer life? What would be one sort of simple thing you might say to them this morning? Well, I think the the danger is grasping at it, and the key is remaining in it, and uh, uh, and and then just even from the from that place to say, Lord, I really want that. The more vulnerable that we can be, opening our heart, opening our hands, and and saying, Lord, I want more of you. I, I'm ready for wherever you want to take me. Uh, I, I want this uh, your newness, your love to to grow in my life. Just a very honest, humble, vulnerable prayer from the heart is, uh, is a good place to take that. That's great stuff. Well, thank you so much, Father Boniface Hicks. We've got your book, Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love, linked at sun sunrisemorningshow.com. You co-wrote it with Father Thomas Acklin. It's a great resource uh, for getting started in prayer or for going from intermediate to the next level, whatever it happens to be, a fantastic resource. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too, and happy feast day. Yeah, happy feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. We're back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter past the hour. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. 
not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE, 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Catholic Women Now hosts Julie Nelson and Chris Magruder speak to what's on the hearts and minds of women, covering all things in light of the Catholic faith. You can hear Catholic Women Now, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNradio.net slash podcasts today. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, will be making a visit to Washington today to see the president and to meet with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Christians in Jordan are planning low-key Christmas celebrations as a gesture of solidarity with Palestinians. And Pope Francis met with members of the Vatican watchdog to fight, telling them to fight the insidiousness of corruption. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, uh, some of our listeners who are on Facebook might notice that uh, today we've got actually our live stream running on our Facebook page. So if that's you and you're catching this right now, uh, you're probably thinking, where in the world is Matt? Matt? My background is, this is not my my normal. Where in the world is Well, I I, I do sneak around the world from Kiev to Carolina. I'm a sticky-fingered filter from Berlin down to Belize. Sticky-fingered gum... No, no, don't, you're messing up the words. You are not doing it, Rockapella. They never Arkansas him. St- I don't remember the words. I can't remember it either. I'm so ashamed. I can't remember it either. Last night, my sister and I were it's listening to songs from Hamilton. I'm sorry, and we Chief. were ashamed at how few words we remembered. It's been so long since we listened. This is bad. So, uh, this time of year, I'm mostly just remembering the O antiphons in order so I can get it right. Oh, yeah. Once we, once we get there. Nice. That's coming up fairly Just, soon. That's yeah, like five than days. Know. Starts on the seventeenth, yes. right? Indeed, I believe. Indeed. Yeah. So, uh, five days away. So that's going to be kind of cool. But at any rate, I just want to let you know that I'm, you know, if you see me and it looks like I'm in some like weird closet somewhere, I'm actually in a hotel. We're doing uh, some journey home tapings. Today. Nice. So, Are you uh, tell us this who is you not got my this normal, week? normal setup. We got well, um, 
I hate to spoil too much. Um, oh, come but on. We've got you always tell got us. A Presbyterian pastor. We got okay. um, a lady who grew up Wiccan. We got a, we got a few different things Ooh. in the mix. So that sounds. But again, intense. the goal, last night, if you didn't catch last night's episode, it was Deb Scaravilli who grew up dispensationalist uh, and then went to evangelical free. Um, and evangelical then, uh, free. Yes, what it's a nomination. Uh, well, for lack of a better word, it's, it's evangelical and it's kind of free church. Um, so they just it's easier to explain dispensationalism. Sure. Dispensationalism <laughs> would say in covenant theology, like once a new covenant comes in, you don't have to worry about the old covenant. Mm-hmm. And if you're a late acts dispensationalist, you don't have to worry about anything until like Paul goes and preaches to the Gentiles. So the Jesus stuff isn't even for you. Hmm. You can see why. Why it's important to have a magisterium to talk yeah. about how actually all those previous covenants do matter. They all flow into one another. Interesting. Anyway, you, you should go see Deb's episode of The Journey Home. Cool. com. Check it out. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Family, because we've continued to receive many online gifts and one large donation, we've now exceeded our $60,000 pledge drive goal. Thank you. Yeah, we can now pay the light bills. And you know, to lead others into the light of Christ can be as simple as wearing a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt, which we will send you for pledging to give just $10 a month throughout 2024. To pledge now, visit sacredheartradio.com. Again, thank you for your support and telling others about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoding Realtors. Trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult to machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Tuesday morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Whether it's listening on the radio, listening on our live stream or on our app, or watching us on video, which you can find through YouTube and Facebook and through our website, sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon De La Torre is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Senior Director for the Evangelization Department for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes 
at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. Good morning, Annie. Go Bucks. So we are talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe today, the patroness mm-hmm. of the Americas. She appeared to St. Juan Diego in 1531 as he mm-hmm. was hurrying down Tepeyac Hill in order mm-hmm. to get to Mass that day. She tells him she wants a shrine built where mm-hmm. she's standing, and in order to convince the bishop she uh, had him pick a bunch of roses that had no business mm-hmm. growing that time of year. And so he brings them to the bishop gathered up in his tilma. And when he presents the roses, opens up his tilma to the bishop there on his garment was an mm-hmm. image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is still with us today, front and center mm-hmm in that shrine that she had asked for. How do you reflect on this story, Marlon? You know, it's uh, our, our Blessed Mother never ceases to amaze us that as, as a nurturing and nourishing mom, she presents herself at an opportune time to help us reflect back on our Lord. And with Juan Diego, it, it, especially uh, personal to me, being a Mexican-American and having grown up, with our Lady Guadalupe, even to the degree anywhere, sometimes we would we would place a higher veneration on our on our Blessed Mother. Uh, dare I say, even more above our Lord Jesus Christ. This is wow. part of the, the the old customer tradition. It was never meant to uh, in any way denigrate our Lord or to look at him as second fiddle. It's just she's so intimate that sometimes this uh, local custom or culture would place her in such a high esteem. But beside that, um, the, the significance of Our Lady, not just for the Mexican people, but in general for all peoples of Americas, is the fact she came as a beautiful mother. Uh, she came as somebody who sought to console uh, the hearts and minds of the people, to address the wounds of the people, especially between this uh, interplay of uh, the conquest of the Aztecs by the conquistadors, seeing the Spanish Franciscans come into play and try to establish the church uh, in the land that become very indigenous and very hostile to, to anything of faith. Uh, this was a, a great uh, awakening and opportunity for the church. And our Blessed Mother was such a beautiful instrumental piece to Juan Diego, being very calm with him, but being very direct and firm. Uh, I think those are just backdrops or interplays of how we see our Blessed Mother and really reinvigorate and completely put a stamp on her son. Christ in, in a land that needed it so much at that particular point in time, really in, in, in the 1500s, 16th century, that uh, we see a great love for her because her aim was to take care of us and bring us back to him. Absolutely. I mean, think of it, millions, millions yes. of conversions to the true faith because of this particular apparition on Tepeyac Hill. How do you see Our Lady of Guadalupe as a model of evangelization for us today? It's a great question. I think, first and foremost, she was differential in how she communicated to Juan Diego. And what I mean by that was she basically uh, spoke with him in a very loving manner as an entryway. You could even say that there was this Mm pre-evangelization of of how she addressed him. And, And so he was very calm. I think when you look at the documentation and the historical record, there was this beautiful interplay between them where there was no fear initially. Now, obviously, we do have a record where 
he, he kind of ran away afterwards. But I mean, we have this, this syndrome of St. Peter that also mm-hmm. overtook St. Juan Diego. And, and that's fine. That's part of the journey. When you receive this initial wave of grace, and you don't know what to do with it, so you run. But she was consoling to him, and, and this was a, a great way of seeing how our Lord speaks to us and how our Blessed Mother proved that when we receive a grace from our Lord, yes, there may be an initial human fear, but that's going to be supplanted immediately by a divine fear, a divine holy fear that will take care of you. And I think that that's part of our responsibility when we proclaim the gospel, when we introduce Christ to someone who may be so overwhelmed they may run away. They're not running away from you. It's the fact that they haven't been exposed to this wonderful gift yet, and they don't know what to do with it. So we have to be aware of that. And I think our Blessed Mother brought that to fruition in the way she painstakingly said, this is how you build your life, and I want you to build this chapel. I want you to build it in a way that's visible to all. And I want you to present this to Archbishop Simaraga so he can see himself through his senses that I am real, that Christ is real. And I think this becomes the second piece, I think, any of evangelization. We have to be demonstrative in a holy way. Uh, it's not just by our words, but how we live, our behavior, our demeanor, and to provide those, those elements of faith that will help the person seek our Lord. And I think that's exactly what she did. I mean, th- there's no way 7 to 10 million people, based on the historical record, come home to the church unless there was something there visible. So. Amen to that. We've been talking to Marlon De La Torre, and you can find his site, knowingisdoing.org, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Just click on the show notes for today, and you can find it right there. Marlon, thank you so much. Happy Feast Day, and go Bucks. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Go Bucks. You know, I was talking to a Dominican sister last night with the Institute of Catholic Culture, and... Uh, she was an Ann Arbor Dominican, and she's starting a new community in Bismarck, North Dakota. And I told her how proud I was that she escaped Ann Arbor. And then she said, O-H. And I said, I-O. It was awesome. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. President Biden welcomes Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to the White House today. Zelensky's visit is coming at a critical moment in negotiations in Washington for aid to Ukraine. The Biden administration wants Congress to pass its more than $100 billion package for Ukraine, Israel, and other national security priorities. But Republicans say they'll only support the package if it comes with significant U.S. border policy changes. More on that in a moment. Zelensky will also be meeting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. A new poll shows nearly half of voters believe the U.S. is spending too much on aid for Ukraine in the war with Russia. Mark Mayfield has more. The Financial Times Michigan Ross poll found that 48 percent of voters said the U.S. is sending too much financial and military support to Kiev. Meanwhile, 27 percent said the U.S. was spending the right amount and 11 percent said the spending was not enough. This comes as lawmakers are divided over an aid package requested by President Biden that includes funding for both Ukraine and Israel. Republicans are demanding U.S. border policy reforms in exchange for more Ukraine aid. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Texas mother at the center of a lawsuit over the state's heartbeat law has left the state to get an abortion somewhere else. That according to the Center for Reproductive Rights. Kate Cox had brought a suit saying that her unborn child had been diagnosed with a fatal condition. 
but her doctors claimed they feared prosecution and would not treat her. Last week, a court ruled in Cox's favor, but that was immediately paused by the state Supreme Court. The Air Force says accused leaker Jack Teixeira acted alone, but 15 others are still being disciplined for dereliction of duty. A U.S. Air Force Inspector General investigation found the unit, quote, failed to take proper action after they found out about the Massachusetts Air National Guardman's intelligence-seeking activities. However, there was no evidence that his supervisors were aware of the alleged leaks. The indirect factors that enabled the leak include failing to adequately inspect areas under command, inconsistently reporting security incidents, and lack of supervision and oversight on night shift operations. Pope Francis met yesterday with staffers of the Vatican's Office of the Auditor General, urging them to fight the insidiousness of corruption in the Holy See and Vatican City. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollick reports. The Office of the Auditor General, which the Pope himself established nine years ago, serves as the anti-corruption authority of the Holy See and the Vatican City State. In his address to staff, Pope Francis stressed the importance of eliminating corruption in the Vatican. As he is recovering from bronchitis, Pope Francis did not read his prepared speech, but instead handed it over to be read afterwards. Those who work at the Holy See in the Vatican City State certainly do so faithfully and honestly, the Pope's speech read. The law of corruption, however, is so dangerous that we must be extremely vigilant. I know that you dedicate much time to this, the Pope added, stressing the need to balance absolute transparency in every action with discretion, since scandals, he said, serve more to fill the pages of the newspapers than to correct behavior in depth. In addition to this, the Pope stressed, I invite you to help those responsible for the administration of the Holy See's assets to create safeguards that can prevent corruption from materializing. Pope Francis continued his address by stressing three of the audit office's core characteristics, independence, attention to international principles, and professionalism noting that many members of the office possess decades of high-level international experience and are dedicated to continuous on-the-job education. Pope Francis said that it is a moral obligation for them to be up-to-date about the continuing evolution of the field. The Pope concluded his speech by thanking the staff of the audit office for all their work and sending his best wishes for the Christmas season to them and their families. I'm Joseph Tullock. Google has lost an antitrust lawsuit from video game company Epic Games after a jury found the Google Play phone app is an illegal monopoly. Epic Games, maker of the popular Fortnite game, has been fighting Google and Apple for years over how the App Store's payment sharing systems work. The company changed its software so that customers could pay Epic directly to get around paying Google as much as 30%. The game was then kicked off the Google platform. On Monday, a jury found Google was operating an illegal monopoly through its app. That's the news. It's 35 minutes past the hour. When you go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe, your inbox will let you know when your favorite guests will be on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com.
SKPHA.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree to sterling silver medals, rosaries, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Tuesday, December the 12th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. A little warmer today. Right now it's kind of cold with temperatures in the upper 20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny skies today and a high of 47 degrees. Clear and chilly tonight with an overnight low of 29. Mostly cloudy tomorrow morning, then mostly sunny in the afternoon and a high tomorrow of 42 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, much sunshine today with a high of 47 degrees. Increasing clouds tonight and an overnight low around 25. Some morning clouds, then mostly sunny tomorrow afternoon and a high of 42 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Check out the video live stream at sacredheartradio.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Director of Translation Services for the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Doing well. And uh, before we get into today's text, uh, you had sent us a note, and I find this is fascinating, uh, about how when you are doing translations of a text that people don't understand into a language that they do understand, you have to be careful not to, quote-unquote, over-translate. Now, what do you mean by that? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's like Aristotle says about virtue. It's a, it's a balance between deficiency and excess. And I think that's a pretty good way of describing the challenge of, of translation. You have to strive for a kind of balance. You don't want to over-translate. You don't want to under-translate. And what I mean by that is the, the essence of translation is you're taking something unintelligible and making it intelligible. And in, in the process of doing that, you don't want to insult the intelligence of the person you're translating for, right? This is something we do um, throughout life in a hundred different ways. Um, if I ask you to explain the radio to me, uh, you could explain it in a way that assumes more knowledge than I have, or you can explain it to a way that makes me feel like I'm five years old and you're insulting my intelligence by, by explaining to me things that I, you don't need to explain. So uh, when we're translating from a from a anything really, um, we can we can over translate. We can explain more than needs to be explained. And in in the case of liturgical translation, um, there, there's a temptation to explain things um, that are meant to be sort of mysterious or ambiguous or vague in the text we're translating. And that's part of the beauty of what we're translating is there's a kind of multiplicity of meaning or a polyvalence to the text. And we don't want to try to explain it away or uh, insult the intelligence of, of our audience by, by sort of dumbing it down, if that yeah, makes and you sense. Yeah, and you don't want to kill the poetry either. Uh, right. You know, in the mix exactly. of it. You know, as we're approaching uh, the Christmas season, I can't help but think of uh, 
how this sometimes happens to Christmas hymns. Um, I don't exactly. hear it on the radio, but I do see it in, in hymnals and churches. And the one, since you and I both have Wesleyan backgrounds, the one that always gets me is Mark the Herald <laughs> Angels Sing. Yes. Where yes. the original line just says, pleased is man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, which is just a, yes. a brilliant turn of phrase and a brilliant insight <laughs> into the carnation, incarnation. And what we often get is please in flesh with us to dwell, which is still technically true. But it sort yes. of like kills the the poetic. It kills the poetry. I was just talking with my wife about this yesterday about how we butcher that line of poetry from Charles Wesley. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, so uh, we'll move on from Wesley then to some Latin that you had to actually translate without making that same mistake. So, which one did you want to look at today? Yeah, so we talked last week about this Laud's morning prayer hymn that's used for every day of Advent up until uh, December seventeenth, and we just finished uh, last week talking about the first stanza. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about that and the second stanza, because there's so much, there's so much in this hymn. And there's a reason the church gives it to us every day for morning prayer uh, for the first part of Advent up until uh, December 17th. So I want to just read it again, the new translation that uh, you can get in the Divine Office hymnal that's going to be coming out in the new revised version of the Liturgy of the Hours in the next couple of years. And then we'll talk a, a little bit about some of this ambiguity, some of this uh, multiplicity of meaning that's there in the text. Behold a voice resounding clear, rebuking hidden fears and deeds. Let dreams be driven far away, for Christ shines forth from heaven's height. Now let the weary soul arise, infirm and wounded by her sin. A new star now sends forth its light to rid the world of every harm. The Lamb is sent from realms on high to free us from our mortal debt. Let every voice give thankful praise and weep for tender mercy shown. That when he comes like lightning flash and terror grips the world in dread, he need not punish us for guilt, but with compassion shield us then. Praise to the Father, God Most High, all victory to his only Son. Do honor to the Spirit blessed through endless ages evermore. Amen. Yeah, you shared that one with us last time, and, and it's just it, just hearing it again. Of course, you hear it again and again uh, you know, throughout Advent. It's, there's, there's some richness there, but which nuance did you want to point out this week? <laughs> All right, so I want to quickly, I want to move beyond the first stanza, but I do want to point out, in Latin, the second line is actually more vague than we've translated it. Literally, a voice, a clear voice, behold a clear voice sounds, rebuking obscura queque, literally a rebuking certain hidden things, which is kind of funny because it's intentionally vague and the the thing that's vague is hidden things, which is vague in and of itself. So it, there's something beautifully general about rebuking certain hidden things. We're not even going to say what those hidden things are because we have to make this a, a hymn that's general enough that everybody can pray it and kind of bring to it whatever's going on in their life, right? So it's a bit like the Confidior. We're not going to specify in the Confidior at Mass, I confess uh, we're not going to name specific sins because this has to be a sort of general confession everybody can make at the beginning of Mass. So we just we cover the general categories of sin. Um, so I think here a similar thing is at work where we're not going to name specifically what the hidden things are. We're just going to sort of 
say hidden things and then whatever those hidden things happen to be for you or for me we can we can think of what those are um, and we're not even saying whose voice it is uh, we're just sort of left to figure out you know of course it's john the baptist the voice crying out in the desert prepare the way of the lord but it's also it's also anybody's voice who's who's speaking truth and calling us to repentance um, so in a way we're all called to be that voice in advent uh, and we're all called to hear that voice in Advent uh, to help us prepare for the coming of the Lord. But there's yeah. also an ambiguity in the th- in the second stanza. We make a reference to a new star sends forth its light. Now we know who that star is, um, but we're not we're not naming him, uh, and we're not saying you know the Son of God is coming or the Day Star or the Son of Justice. We're just saying a new star sends forth its light. So all of these sort of vague references to things in the hymn are prompting us to reflect and even to contemplate who is the voice what are the hidden things in my life that that need to be rebuked who is the star sending forth its light and what does that mean for me and what does that mean for you it's it's a beautifully open text that calls us to reflect and contemplate it doesn't overspell it out Well, thank you so much, Dr. Benjamin Lewis. We've got the International Commission on English and the Liturgy linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Check it out. Find out all their cool stuff, including their new Divine Office hymnal. Back with headlines after this. It's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Church Pop takes a fresh and fun look at the news shaping our world, featuring engaging, inspiring, and informative Catholic social media content. Find it on Snapchat, Instagram, and on the web at churchpop.com. And you can get Church Pop emailed directly to your inbox. Visit EWTN.com and click subscribe. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 till, here's Anna with headlines. 
President Biden has, is welcoming Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to the White House today. In Illinois, there's been a huge victory for pro-life pregnancy centers. And Pope Francis met yesterday with staffers of the Vatican's Office of the Auditor General, urging them to fight the insidiousness of corruption. Next newscast coming up in about 15-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Coming up on 12 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father Frank. Good morning, Anna. So we're continuing our Advent mini-series, spending the season with the founder of your order, St. Vincent Pallotti. And last time we talked about the theme of silence in Advent. This week we are focusing on prayer. And Advent really gives us a wonderful opportunity to increase our prayer, doesn't it? It does. And it, it gives us an opportunity to to really discipline ourselves. Of course, it's the liturgical new year. And so a number of people make resolutions in the calendar new year. Yeah. But how about in the liturgical new year? Maybe it's a time for us to resolve for, to pray more to really be in more communication with God and to pray with St. Vincent Pilate says with perseverance often and as well as you possibly can. And that sometimes means that we're going to be frustrated in our prayer. And, and he goes on and he says, do not worry if you fail to find any consolation, persevere, and act with confidence, you will receive the fruits without being conscious of them. Mm. And sometimes I think we look for, we, we always look for in our prayer, some sense that we're being heard or some kind of, as, as St. Vincent puts it, a, a consolation. But there are moments in our prayer where we may feel desolation or we might feel that that there's not something happening. Yeah. You know, I, I think too often we, we put prayer, I find this sometimes with some of the young people I work with, they want that, that, that prayer to really feel good. Yep. And it's not really all about feeling good. It's persevering because the Lord is faithful. And so what St. Vincent is saying, look, be faithful. You're still going to get the fruits. You just may not realize it. Well, don't you think this is an issue with how we utilize this gift that we have in prayer? I think it it becomes for so many of us synonymous with petitioning God with whatever intention, whatever it is that we want God to do, whether it be in our lives or in the lives of someone else. We're asking God to act and 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 so if we don't get the answer that we truly want you know it could be coming from the best place in our heart ever but if it's not answered in the way that we're expecting we can often think that we're failing at prayer but prayer is so much more than just petitioning god isn't it it is and and prayer is not magic right that that sends us in the direction of superstition mm -hmm. 
And as you, you may recall, I, I spent a number of years at St. Jude Shrine in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. And there would be people coming in, as the patron saint of hopeless cases, there would be people coming in with all sorts of issues. But what I found beautiful were the ones who just kept persevering in prayer, persevering, persevering. And the number of, for example, the number of, of parents and grandparents and relatives who would come in and talk about family members who were no longer practicing the faith and how that was such a burden that they were carrying. Mm. And they, they kept persevering in that prayer. It was like St. Monica with St. Augustine. Yeah. And sometimes that change would occur and sometimes it wouldn't. But that perseverance in prayer is still a fruit that we receive because we're in ongoing communication. So it's not just simply our asking, it's how are we in thanksgiving to God? How are we in adoration of God? You know, these are, how are we contrite as well? It's huge. And, but also look at our, sometimes, you know, people will say, oh, I don't, I don't get, I don't get anything out of the mass. You know, that communal prayer it's not a matter of, of what we feel. It's a matter of our being together with the community of faith, worshiping the Lord who we receive in the Eucharist. Talk about fruit. Yeah. yeah. It's about conformity so, with Christ, is it not? I mean, exactly. the, when, when you think about it, I mean, even if you're, even if you're thinking about prayer simply as petition, um, you know, if you've, if you've spent your time in prayer going beyond just petition, or even if it has been petition, but always praying that, Lord, your will be done, um, that that my will be conformed with yours. If our will is in perfect conformity with God's, then we get everything we want, don't we, Father? Yes, exactly. I mean, and that's the whole point is to get there. And that's what, and that's what St. Vincent Pilate is saying, that that's part of the fruit that we'll receive. And he's saying, you know, persevere and act with confidence. It puts an exclamation point in that when he wrote it. Act with confidence. He, he was writing this as a letter to someone, part of a letter to someone. And it's, it's important for us to, to continue to persevere. Perseverance sometimes is a, a virtue that is not as present as it could be in our culture. But it's graced perseverance. Yeah. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful thought from St. Vincent Pilate shared with us by Father Frank Donio. And you can find the Advent resources at the Catholic Apostolate Center linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. Thank you and God bless. And Matt, so we are celebrating today the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I imagine, is Matt there? Matt here? Matt, you there? Matt's not there? <sighs> Paul's giving me a thumbs down. Matt is not there. Well, when Matt gets here, oh, he's here now. This is, this is a mess. Matt. Oh, he's putting his headphones on. I hear oh, him. Matt, sorry about that. I was going to talk to you. I went you. and go to. You went to go get yeah, breakfast go, at the, the, the hotel? No. I went to just go take a bite of my uh, sausage biscuit and then you and <laughs> Father. Father Donio, Donio wrapped done. up our conversation. Well, I was going to say, um, I wanted to give you a moment to reflect on Our Lady of Guadalupe from the the perspective of a, a convert to Catholicism because of, I mean, just the sheer number 
of converts that that came to the true faith because of her. Well, I was going to uh, try and get the dates together for this. So let's see. When did the uh, so the the Continental Reformation with Martin Luther that starts in fifteen seventeen? Correct. Right. Uh, the English Reformation starts not very long after that. Right. Uh, just really a few years later. Which all happened just a few years after 1492 when Columbus brings the gospel to the Americas through Spanish missionaries, Portuguese missionaries. So you're looking at 1517 and a couple of decades in there where Europe like completely falls apart. splinters and the faith yeah. falls apart. Uh, 1531, you're looking at... Uh, really just a few years, 14 years after the Reformation kicks off is when Our Lady of Guadalupe appears in Mexico. And millions and millions. So while one piece of the church is kind of splintering and falling apart, this other is growing and exploding uh, through the work of Our Lady. And I I just uh, think it's a powerful image of what's always going on in the church. Everywhere you look, there's good things happening and bad things happening, but God is always, always at doing work. stuff. Always at always work. Always doing stuff. Yep. So that's my two cents if you were looking for my, my Guadalupe. That and it's Taco Tuesday, Anna Mitchell. Yeah, well, I'm sorry I interrupted your sausage biscuit eating. It was not. I should have put some like salsa on it. You should have kept it what was closer I to your microphone. I should have. I walked it over here. I didn't want people to see me eating, but now the now the secret it's is all out. out. Another full hour coming up here in just a moment. It's three till. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when Chris and Glencora Pipkin will describe their 12-tied book on the 12 days of Christmas. Alan McLeorado will share his adventure Catholic parenting tip. I'll reflect on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safe. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE, 844-55-BIBLE. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bright Lights. St. Teresa in Bright, Indiana is hosting a free drive through Christmas light display every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 6 to 10 p.m., now through January 6th. More information at brightlightsindiana.com. Tim Maley here, General Manager at Shock Tile and Carpet. Shock is a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Family-owned and operated since 1928, Shock hopes this season is filled with many blessings to you and yours. In the market for hardwood, check out MSI's Ladson and McCarran, manufactured from European white oak 
These engineered planks are on-trend and highly sophisticated. Residential, commercial, new home construction, 513-922-3466 or shocktile.com. That's S-C-H-O-C-H tile.com. The Comboni Missionaries present the 76th Annual Nativity Experience, a family favorite for generations. The birth of Christ is retold in an incredible room-sized animated diorama of the Holy Land. Admission is free. Donations to food banks accepted. The Nativity Experience at the Comboni Mission Center in Anderson. Open 6 to 8 p.m. daily, December 15th through 30th. Close Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. More information at ComboniMissionaries.org slash nativity. This is Bishop Roger Foyes of Covington. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Continue on this Tuesday, the 12th of December, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, by praying together the collect from today's Mass in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O God, Father of mercies, who placed your people under the singular protection of your Son's most holy mother, grant that all who invoke the Blessed Virgin of Guadalupe may seek with ever more lively faith the progress of peoples in the ways of justice and of peace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Happy Feast Day to our listeners on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Anybody connected with Mexico, anybody connected with North America, anybody connected with the Americas, because she's got patronage over all that stuff, pro-life stuff, all kinds of things connected to Our Lady of Guadalupe. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis is working on getting the video stream everywhere that that goes. Dina Dwyer Owens will share some uh, ways that she's been trying to help form young professionals to be people of character and professionalism and involve their faith in the process. Joseph Pierce will discuss the succession of Elizabeth I. We've been going through English history with him. Steve Ray is going to talk about brides and betrothals in the uh, Bible. He does this stuff in the Bible series uh, with us every week. And then Chris McGregor will look at some stuff related to Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I've said stuff way too many times for one promo. Two minutes past news of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com and all the stuff they do. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. President Biden will be hosting a meeting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the White House today. 
More from Mark Mayfield. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters that the meeting comes at a time when Russian forces are ramping up attacks on civilian infrastructure in Ukraine. Zelensky's visit comes at a critical moment in negotiations for emergency aid to Ukraine. The Biden administration wants Congress to pass its more than $100 billion package for Ukraine, Israel, and other national security priorities. But Republicans say they'll only support the package if it comes with significant U.S. border policy changes. Zelensky will also meet with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Texas mother at the center of a lawsuit over the state's abortion ban has left the state to get an abortion somewhere else. That, according to the Center for Reproductive Rights, Kate Cox had brought a suit saying that her unborn child had been diagnosed with a fatal condition, but her doctors would not treat her, claiming that they feared prosecution. Last week, a court ruled in Cox's favor to allow her to get an abortion, but that was immediately paused by the state Supreme Court. Now she is headed to another state. Illinois has dropped the enforcement of a law targeting pro-life pregnancy centers. A federal judge in August had granted a motion for a preliminary injunction seeking to immediately halt the measure, which allowed the Illinois Attorney General to investigate complaints against centers accused of using misinformation, deceptive practices, or misrepresentation in order to persuade women away from abortion. The injunction was requested in a lawsuit filed by National Institute of Family Life Advocates, and the president of NIFLA said in a statement that this law was a, quote, absolute weaponization of government that unfairly and unconstitutionally targeted pregnancy centers simply because they refused to refer or perform abortion, saying, let this be a stern example of what awaits them when attempting to pass and enforce similar laws. He said, look to Illinois and save taxpayer dollars for actually helping their communities instead of going after organizations that help women and their families. Christians in Jordan are planning low-key Christmas celebrations as a gesture of solidarity with Palestinians. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Christmas will be different this year in the Kingdom of Jordan. No lights will shine as Christians celebrate the coming of the Lord. The usually cheerful festivities will be muted at the request of Christian leaders in the country in a gesture of solidarity with the suffering Palestinian people just across the border. Pope Francis has repeatedly called for a ceasefire in Gaza, where more than 18,000 people have died since Israel began military operations on the 8th of October. The decision to cancel festivities, including bazaars, musical celebrations and the distribution of gifts, came from the Jordanian Council of Churches, which asked that its communities restrict their Christmas celebrations to prayer and religious ceremonies, as well as on donating to funds in support of children in Gaza. Over 10,000 children have died so far in the Strip. Moreover, almost 2 million people have been displaced, with nowhere to go, and with neither food nor water. Observers are describing the situation as desperate, a humanitarian catastrophe. Bethlehem, too, will be dim over the Christmas period. There will be no Christmas tree at the traditional site of Jesus' birth. We will celebrate in sobriety, said Father Francisco Paton of the custody of the Holy Land. No celebrations this year, as the world weeps for the victims of violence. 
I'm Francesca Merlo. And more Americans are traveling on planes or by car for Christmas. Travel is still on the upswing after the pandemic. AAA predicts more than 115 million Americans will travel at least 50 miles over the last 10 days of the year. It's the highest projection since 2019. AAA's senior vice president of travel said in a news release that this year's holiday prediction is 2.5 million more than last year. She said more Americans are investing in travel despite the cost to make memories with loved ones and experience new places. I have never been outside of Cincinnati for Christmas. Really? Yeah. I've never traveled for Christmas. Well, I mean, I can't think that you have any major reason to. I stay home for Christmas. For Christmas. We read the first line of that story one more time. More Americans are traveling on planes or by car this Christmas. Okay, so what would be the other options? Uh, Train. Boat. Train. You've been on a boat for Christmas. I've been on all kinds of things for Christmas. Have you been on but a one-horse open I mean, sleigh? Uh, well, I don't think for Christmas. Dashing through the snow. I feel like snow. I've been on one. I've never dashed. been on an actual Jingle Bells, like by the way, that. is a Thanksgiving song. You know that, right? We've mm-hmm. talked about this Yeah, before. going to Grandma's house, yeah. Going to Grandma's house. Well, that's over the river and through the woods. Oh, well, sorry. I think about going to Grandma's house when dashing through the snow. Foot. Does AAA track how people go by foot? How many people are going by foot? I don't know. Across the street? Yeah. Could be. Yeah. I know Could some be. people that live that close to their... Your pastor's yeah. going to probably go by foot yeah. to celebrate Mass. Exactly. From uh, the rectory to the mm-hmm. to the sanctuary, as it were. Where's your favorite place? It's eight. Oh. No. Tell me. Favorite place favorite you've been place. for Christmas? Because you've like gone on cruises um, and stuff for Christmas. I've done some, some weird things. I don't know, like my own bed. Okay, that's coming down, getting I'm a cup of coffee. That. I'm down with that. I'm sorry. I like it when people come to me. Take it away, Matt. I will take it away. It's eight minutes past the hour. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dina Dwyer Owens, a former chairwoman and CEO of Neighborly, author, speaker. Good morning, Matt. <laughs> Well, uh, I want to talk about, uh, because you've had some experience with this personally of late, uh, it's all about, you know, trying to make sure we're doing virtues and values in our workplace, but we don't live in a bubble and we don't want these things to to just disappear when we go away. So how have you been thinking about the importance of instilling these in the generations of uh, people who are entering the workforce now so that these things can sort of stay with a company, with a culture, uh, with kind of like a corporate environment across the board? Well, I've had the privilege, of course, for many, many years um, as CEO and chairwoman of the company of teaching that class called Design Your Life. We've talked about this a few times, um, but basically indoctrinating people in the idea of you need to know who you are and what you stand for and be as clear as writing down what your personal values are and what, what are those rules and rituals, those traditions and habits you have that support that those values are, in fact, uh, number one to you or very important to you? We've talked about, for example, my, my faith is my number one personal value. And, and how do I prove that? Well, I'm sitting outside of St. Mary's Catholic Church, downtown Waco, about to go to daily mass after this call. That's one of my daily habits. I go five or six days a week, not every day, but that's one of the things that I do to, to strengthen my faith, my faith walk. So... I have recently had the opportunity to teach that same Design Your Life class to students at 
uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I have done this at many universities, from Cornell to Baylor University to even high schools. And I don't do a lot of speaking, but this is one course that I love teaching to young people because most of them, Matt, unfortunately, have not thought about what do I believe? What are my personal values? Not what everybody else is talking about on social media, but what do I personally believe? We talk about this all the time, uh, Dina, in regard to uh, technology use and what it means to be formed as like a person and understand how to do that. You know, we've, we're, we're up against a battle and it's, I mean, it's not one that we are destined to lose, right? It's one that if we just go about it right, we can do some incredible things. A lot of the people who are being formed in high schools and in colleges, they're being told, like, this is what you got to do. These are the skills you got to learn to go make money so that you can have a nice life, so you can send your kids to a good school, and the cycle continues. But there's not a whole lot of the why behind that, right? And I think people know that there's more than just getting out and educating yourself so you can get a good job. You got to be formed somehow as a human being to figure out how to live in this world because there are plenty of people that you've talked to, I know I've talked to, who did that trick of just, I'm going to work and make money and then I'm going to have things. And then they got those things and then they're like, well, now what do I do with myself? Yeah, I felt completely empty. So uh, one of the beautiful things is we do have some very good Christian um, universities around. Uh, we, we have some not so good ones, but we have some very good ones. And this group of students that I spoke to, this was about a week and a half ago, uh, I was so impressed because they were they were on fire for trying to get their arms around this thing called personal values. And they, they talked about how they are challenged by everything else going on in the world, but they don't want to fit into that mold, what everybody else is doing. And yes, they've got to make a living. We all have to make a living, right? It's kind of like the air we breathe. We've got to have it. And we Indeed. talk about how there's nothing wrong with making a good living. There's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. It's what you do once you get that money that's good or bad. And I think they have to know going into their career who they want to work with, right? Some of them will be entrepreneurs. Some of them will work for corporations. But make sure you know who you are and you're finding the company that matches your personal values because otherwise you're going to be compromised. And it's very hard. It's just human nature. It's very hard for us to get out of a position once we've gotten into a position, especially one that's making us good money, even though we know the values aren't aligned. So these are the kinds of things that we need to talk about with the young people. And I think the whole the whole legacy of, you know, in our family in particular, when I think about managing finances, you know, we've got a lot of young nieces and nephews in my family, you know, who are um, entrepreneurial, inspired to go out and make a lot of money. And we're trying to help them understand why. What is the purpose for making a lot of money? And what are you going to do with that? Like you said, Matt, once you've made it, there's so much good that can be done. And so that's something we all need to be doing with young people. To be able to remember that if you if you've been given these gifts uh, of of industriousness and have been blessed financially or blessed with skills and talents, I mean, what if you just buried that talent in the field and just were like, I well, I learned my thing, I got what I needed to. Who cares about the next generation? But like, you know, this is something that you realized and recognized. Like, hey, I learned some stuff. Maybe it will help another person. I mean, we've all got time, talent, and treasure that we're really meant to pass on to other people. That's right, and it's the planting of the seed. So sometimes it's frustrating. <laughs> I know your kids are quite young, but it can be frustrating when you're when you're watching young people around you thinking, did they not hear a thing that we said? I mean, like I've been around for 60 years. 40 of those years I worked. So there's, there are a few things that I've learned, you know, good and bad, um, but I try to share those. And, and yet we have to remember we can't control what they're going to do with the things that we've, 
passed on to them, but all we can do is plant those seeds. And of course, the most important seeds that we plant are the fact that Jesus loves them, <laughs> and they need to make that the priority. But it's it's a beautiful thing. Then all of a sudden, you know, maybe two or five years later, you go, oh my gosh, look, look what they're doing. They're getting it. You know, they're they're working, serving their community now, doing things that they never really talked about doing. So it's a, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. So don't don't be frustrated, uh, those of you who are listening. Keep planting the seeds and keep nurturing those seeds. And before you know it, great things will come from that. So I, I have great hope about the future of our young generation if people continue to plant those positive seeds with them. Well, I do get frustrated sometimes, uh, Dina, about people who are <laughs> coming up into the workforce until oh. until I remember what I was like at that age. And then I'm like, ah, well, you know, I mean, you can't do somebody's journey for them, and they're probably learning things even in those mistakes that you know frustrate you and I. I mean, think about all the things that have gone into making you the kind of person that you are, and not all of them were your successes, <laughs> right? Not it's all of them are your the good mistakes. decisions, right? You're right. It's mostly the mistakes. It's the stupid things that I did or the things that I was too lazy to be disciplined about doing. And I, I'll never forget uh, when my father founded our company in 1981, he set his belief system. We call them the code of values today, but he called them the code of values, but it was really emotionally based beliefs. And the one that he hammered into me, and it was so annoying until I grew up, was we must re-earn our positions every day in every way. Sure, celebrate the victories of yesterday, learn from the mistakes, but today, give it 100% again. And the young people sometimes that we see around us, they think, oh, I did great yesterday. I worked hard yesterday. I'm not going to work hard today. I get a break today. And we just can't... Uh, build the kind of country, the kind of world we need to build by just thinking that just because I worked hard yesterday, that's all I have to do. If uh, our listeners want to get a copy of your Create Your Culture workbooks or your, your Better Future workbooks or connect with any of the things that you're doing to help people understand how to bring their faith into their work, how do they do so, Dina Dwyer Owens? They can just go to dinadwyerowens.com. It's very simple. And I think I have the original Code of Values posted there, too, because I think that that might be interesting to folks. It's really the kind of thinking we need to have. Like our creator put us on this earth to succeed. We should accept our daily successes, humbly knowing that a higher power, God, is guiding us. So DinaDwyerOaks.com, Matt, you and Anna, keep up the God work. Well, thank you, Dina, and you do the same. We've got Dina linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. 17 past. we're back right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit. 
on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for WINGS, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the WINGS link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your WINGS today. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. President Biden will host a meeting today with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the White House. Illinois has dropped enforcement of a law that targeted pro-life pregnancy centers. And Pope Francis met yesterday with staffers for the Vatican's Office of the Auditor General, urging them to fight the insidiousness of corruption. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And since I gave everybody fair warning to do their grocery shopping for today with the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, I should probably give people fair warning to make sure they got plenty of candles. Candles tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. For tomorrow. Uh, so go go stock up on those for the Feast of St. Lucy of Syracuse because candles yes. can be a big part of the celebration. Absolutely. If you, uh, I mean, some of you already have Put them four on, on your the table. head. You know, but uh, can you take it and make a crown out of it and set your head on fire? My hair's on fire know. every day, Matt. As you know, that's true, but only metaphorically. Only metaphorically. Uh, metaphorically but doesn't make do for it good for real uh, web streaming. You gonna put a crown well, of you, candles on your head? I, uh, I, I probably will not. It will not catch my hair on fire. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't you know, think so. I don't think they sell the kind Safe. of hairspray that. That is as dangerous in that regard. Safer for people like used you. To. Yeah. Although the wax will just drip straight onto my scalp Ooh. if I do that. Oh, you know yeah. the, the crown of candles thing is much more of like a girl thing, you yeah, know, than a boy okay, thing. This doesn't look the same on a dude. I get it. Just saying. Yeah, that's true. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Saint Lucy of Syracuse. Pray for Pray us. Pray for us. It's twenty-one past. If you just received Sacred Heart Radio's Christmas newsletter, then you also receive the QR card for everyone to scan our QR code and get the Sacred Heart Radio app. Then they can hear us on their smartphone from anywhere and car radio through Bluetooth, where it sounds better than FM and never fades no matter where they travel. So to shine the light of Christ into every soul you know, flash the QR card and share the media source you use to hear the good news. Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bright Lights. St. Teresa in Bright, Indiana is hosting a free drive through Christmas light display every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 6 to 10 p.m., now through January 6th. More information at brightlightsindiana.com. Proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. More information at 1-800-712-HELP. Young adults, have you thought about God's calling for your life? We invite you to consider consecrating your life to God as a member of the Catholic Corps. 
Dedicate your life to prayer and enjoy living in community with like-minded Catholics. Support families through helping host events and spreading the message of total consecration to Jesus through Mary in union with St. Joseph. Visit the Catholic Corps Consecrated Communities for one week this spring and fall. Sign up today at afc.org cc. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brosartpharmacy.com. Joseph Pierce back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's visiting professor of literature at Ave Maria University and a visiting fellow of Thomas More College of the Liberal Arts. He's with the Augustan Institute and the St. Austin Review. Join us inner sanctum at jpierce.co. We've been going through his book, Faith of Our Fathers, A History of True England. Joseph, welcome back. It's good to be back, Anna. So uh, we talked last time about the sad end to the life and, and reign of Queen Mary, who had tried to restore the true faith in England after her father had broken away from from the Catholic Church and declared himself the supreme head of, of the Church of England. She died on November 17th. 1558, Cardinal Reginald Pole died that same day. Now, we all know that Queen Elizabeth I would would go on to succeed her, but that whole succession question was rather complicated, wasn't it? Tell us why. Yes, yeah, very convoluted and complicated. I think in my book I quote the uh, the the, uh, the lines um, uh, from um, who was it said it now William Cobbett. Uh, no. Uh, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And I think that's the Walter Scott. But what happened, of course, is that, that Henry VIII's divorce from uh, his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, was invalid. Um, the divorce was invalid. Therefore, the marriage to Anne Boleyn was also invalid. Um, Mary was the daughter of uh, Henry and uh, Catherine of Aragon, so there's no question of her legitimacy. But um, there's a very big question about the legitimacy of, of Elizabeth, because if she was married, say so she was born uh, out of wedlock, but basically if Anne Boleyn and Henry were not legally married, and that was certainly the position of, uh, well, it's the position of the fact of the matter, because the divorce was not valid. Even even Henry basically declared um, Elizabeth illegitimate at one point. The whole thing is, is such a crazy mess. So... The point is, if she's born out of wedlock, if, she, if she's illegitimate, she's not. She can't be a legitimate monarch. That's the way it works. The sanctity of marriage is at the heart of the uh, of, of the uh, the understanding of of, of monarchies being um, uh, under God. So um, that meant that the, the new Queen of England, in many people's eyes, was not the true Queen of England at all, and that the true Queen of England was actually Mary Stuart, Mary Queen of Scots, who was the nearest living ancestor to Henry VII, Henry VIII's father. All very complicated. All very complicated. What did the Pope have to say about all this at the time? The Pope basically took the, the only logical and theological position that, um, that Elizabeth was not born uh, of, of a legitimate marriage and therefore was not a legitimate monarch. And, of course, for someone like Elizabeth, who's very much an opportunist and a pragmatist and really puts herself before any, any faith or theological position, that really turned her against the, the papacy and sort of, if you like, 
turn her towards the Protestants uh, in a purely pragmatic, Machiavellian sense. But mm. for me, you know, we, we have to sta- stand up for, for truth and principle first, irrespective of the consequences. So I'm completely with the Pope uh, in, in, in making that judgment call, which is a judgment call based upon objective verity. Is there anyone who, like, in terms of history, that from a Catholic perspective, that would question the Pope's uh, take on this? No, many many um, of the Catholic martyrs, the priests that were martyred during the reign of Elizabeth the first, they they tried to catch them out by saying, you know, do you are you are you loyal to the Queen's Majesty? In other mm-hmm. words, do you do you accept and acknowledge Queen Elizabeth the first? And some of them basically because they didn't want to be seen to be being martyred for so-called treason, would basically say that they're not arguing about the Queen's legitimacy. They are being They've been put to death because of their Catholic faith, which was, in fact, yeah. Yeah. The, the case. But the point is that on a purely, again, a Machiavellian methods of, of Elizabeth's government and her ministers, they tried to turn it into, it, the whole thing into politics. I do find this interesting. It was something that I had never really thought about before, Joseph, and that being uh, what religious practices Elizabeth kept during the reign of her half-sister, Mary. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, see, she, she basically went back and forth depending upon who was in power. So during the reign of her half-brother, Elizabeth, uh, um, Edward VI, um, who was the, the person who succeeded from Henry being the only male heir from another of Henry's marriages, that he was a, he was a, a, a very staunch Protestant. So Elizabeth was a Protestant during the reign of Edward VI, was a practicing Catholic with her own you know, confessor and Catholic chaplain. She attended Mass. And to all intents and purposes, outwardly at least, was a believing, devout Catholic during the reign of her half-sister Mary, when England was once more a Catholic country. And then once she becomes a queen, almost immediately she's persecuting um, Catholic bishops who refuse to uh, um, comply with Protestant um, teaching, uh, or uh, etc. So I think her true colours come out then, perhaps, although she was no friend of the hardline Protestants, the Puritans, mm-hmm. uh, whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I, I call her in the book, I think, sort of a, a some sort of cafeteria Catholic. I think her her aesthetic sensibilities were Catholic, but not if it was going to actually cause problems with her political ambition. Pragmatic, if you will. Pragmatic, I mean, obviously, we can't judge the state of anyone's soul, but we can judge their actions, and clearly she didn't have um, very deep devotion enough to hold to one or the other, depending on what what would have been the... uh, the the religion that was upheld at the moment in each moment of of her life it's very very interesting i had never really realized or never really thought about the fact that she would have been a practicing catholic during the reign of mary the first we're gonna have to leave it there because we're out of time the book is called faith of our fathers a history of true england and you can find joseph's website jpierce.co linked at sunrisemorningshow.com joseph thank you My pleasure always, Anna. God bless you. You too, Joseph. Thank you very much. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. President Biden is hosting Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky at the White House today. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters the meeting comes at a time when Russian forces are ramping up attacks on civilian infrastructure in Ukraine. Zelensky's visit comes 
at what's being described as a critical moment in negotiations for aid to Ukraine. The Biden administration wants Congress to pass its more than $100 billion package for Ukraine, Israel, and other national security priorities. Zelensky will also be meeting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Meanwhile, a new poll shows nearly half of voters believe the U.S. is spending too much on aid for Ukraine in its war with Russia. Mark Mayfield reports. The Financial Times Michigan Ross poll found that 48 percent of voters said the U.S. is sending too much financial and military support to Kiev. Meanwhile, 27 percent said the U.S. was spending the right amount and 11 percent said the spending was not enough. This comes as lawmakers are divided over an aid package requested by President Biden that includes funding for both Ukraine and Israel. Republicans are demanding U.S. border policy reforms in exchange for more Ukraine aid. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Texas mother at the center of a lawsuit over the state's heartbeat law has left Texas to get an abortion in another state. That, according to the Center for Reproductive Rights, Kate Cox had brought a suit saying that her unborn baby was diagnosed with a fatal condition, but her doctors refused to treat her, saying they feared prosecution. Last week, a court ruled in Cox's favor to allow her to obtain an abortion, but that was immediately paused by the state Supreme Court. Pro-life pregnancy centers in Illinois are celebrating after the state attorney general agreed to stop enforcing what they've described as a blatantly discriminatory law against them. A federal judge in August granted a motion for a preliminary injunction seeking to immediately halt halt the law, which targeted pro-life pregnancy centers, allowing the Illinois attorney general's office to investigate complaints against pregnancy centers accused of using misinformation, deceptive practices, or misrepresentation in order to persuade a woman to choose life over abortion. The injunction was requested in a lawsuit by the National Institute of Family Life Advocates, or NIFLA. Under the proposed agreement, the office would be banned from enforcing this law. NIFLA President Thomas Glessner released a statement saying the law had been an absolute weaponization of government that unfairly and unconstitutionally targeted pro-life pregnancy centers simply because they refused to refer for or perform abortions. He said, let this be a stern example of what awaits them when attempting to pass and enforce similar laws. Christians in the Holy Land are planning a low-key Christmas as a gesture of solidarity with Palestinians. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. The office of the Auditor General, which the Pope himself established nine years That is not the right story. Here we go. Christmas will be different this year in the Kingdom of Jordan. No lights will shine as Christians celebrate the coming of the Lord. The usually cheerful festivities will be muted at the request of Christian leaders in the country in a gesture of solidarity with the suffering Palestinian people just across the border. Pope Francis has repeatedly called for a ceasefire in Gaza, where more than 18,000 people have died since Israel began military operations on the 8th of October. The decision to cancel festivities, including bazaars, musical celebrations and the distribution of gifts, came from the Jordanian Council of Churches, which asked that its communities restrict their Christmas celebrations to prayer and religious ceremonies, as well as on donating to funds in support of children in Gaza. Over 10,000 children have died so far in the Strip. 
Moreover, almost two million people have been displaced, with nowhere to go, and with neither food nor water. Observers are describing the situation as desperate, a humanitarian catastrophe. Bethlehem, too, will be dim over the Christmas period. There will be no Christmas tree at the traditional site of Jesus' birth. We will celebrate in sobriety, said Father Francisco Paton, of the custody of the Holy Land. No celebrations this year, as the world weeps for the victims of violence. I'm Francesca Merlo. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Sacred Heart Church in Bellevue, Kentucky invites all to a candlelit Rorate Chaley votive mass to the Virgin Mary, 7 a.m. Saturday, December 16th. More information at sacredheartradio.com slash events. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair, and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, featuring beautiful nativities and advent wreaths. Plus, your children can drop a letter to St. Nicholas in their special mailbox. St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in Miamisburg. Online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers, with everything your pet needs, from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Tuesday, December the 12th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at SKPHA.com. A little warmer today. Right now it's kind of cold with temperatures in the upper 20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny skies today and a high of 47 degrees. Clear and chilly tonight with an overnight low of 29. Mostly cloudy tomorrow morning, then mostly sunny in the afternoon and a high tomorrow of 42 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, much sunshine today with a high of 47 degrees. Increasing clouds tonight and an overnight low around 25. Some morning clouds, then mostly sunny tomorrow afternoon and a high of 42 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Check out the video live stream at sacredheartradio.com. Well, the Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. Today we get to talk about betrothal and marriage in the Bible. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Good to be with you today. I'm calling in from Texas. So. All right. Well, there you go. Not a bad place to be on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. That's right. Uh, so we get to talk about betrothal in the Bible. Uh, how many times do we see betrothal and marriage and all those other kind of words that are connected with it uh, in the scriptures? Well, betrothal is mentioned 20 times in the Bible, and most importantly, uh, importantly, of course, is in relationship to Mary being betrothed to Joseph. So that's 20 times. But the, uh, the word marriage or wedding or become one or take a wife, all these 
phrases that refer to the actual marriage 171 times in the Bible. So you've got that. This is something that's very important in Scripture. It's something that we are to take seriously. Starts all the way back in Genesis with Adam and Eve, and it goes all the way to Revelation with the betrothal marriage of Jesus to his church. So this is a concept that's very important to understand scripturally because it flows all through the scriptures. Well, how do we understand then in the 21st century what was meant by betrothal when all we know around here is engagement? In America, we have uh, it's very liberal now, and people kind of don't even get married anymore. There's a great movement of just not getting married, and so the whole idea of men, uh, a betrothal or engagement in marriage is starting in many ways to slip away from our mind. And so, to understand the scriptural view and what it was like during the uh, time of the early church and Jesus, you have, to, you have to go back and immerse yourself in that culture. You kind of, in a sense, got to go back and live there to get the feeling of what it was like there and understand it. But, there's a word called anachronism. I like this word. And it means taking what we know and imposing it on the earlier times or in other places. So we start thinking of the Bible and Mary and Joseph and other people in the terms that we know as Americans. We think of them as getting just engaged and married the way we know. But it was really quite different in biblical times. It was certainly different in biblical times. Otherwise, why in the world would, if Joseph and Mary are betrothed and Joseph finds out that she's pregnant, would he decide to divorce her? Like, how would you divorce somebody if you're only betrothed? I know. In, in, in the United States, you you take a girl out to McDonald's and you, you give her a ring and you say, will you marry me? She says, yes. You go home and you tell her parents, guess what? We're getting married. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm being a little facetious there, but it is something very casual here, an engagement. It's not binding at all. It's You can the next day say, oh, you know, we made a mistake. We just won't do that. But in biblical times, an, an engagement, uh, what we call an engagement, is much more serious. That's why it's called a betrothal. And it's where you actually have it's a contract and it's for example i've been to betrothal in in nazareth we have friends that were getting their daughter was getting betrothed and so we went to that and it's not the wedding but you would think it's a wedding compared to what we know in america because you go in and there's a huge dinner with 500 people and the priest is there and it's a ceremony and everybody is dressed and it becomes a it's a binding legal uh, relationship at that point. They make a decision. It's among the family. There's no going back. Once you have a betrothal, you're not, you can't go back. And marriage there, in, in, even when you read in Acts chapter, uh, in uh, John chapter 2, and you read the parables in Jesus's, uh, in the Gospels, you see that the betrothal is something very serious. And marriage is actually in two parts. There's always a debate, Was were Mary and Joseph married? It says they're betrothed. There's a confusion there sometimes. But it's the, when the betrothal comes, you are actually legally married, but you don't live together yet. And then later, after that, usually a year later, then there's another ceremony and another big get-together. And this one, in, in for example, in Nazareth, takes seven days. The whole wedding ceremony, the second part of it takes seven days, and they have a feast, and they have the whole, a ceremony. So it's all done in two parts. So the question that you asked about Joseph and Mary is that they had already become legally bound. They weren't living together yet, but they were betrothed, and he finds that she dis- discovers she's already pregnant. He knows it's not from him, so then he was going to set her aside or go to the great effort to um, set aside that marriage that they contract that they'd already had. 
Interesting. Very interesting. You know, it is also kind of a reminder, and it helps the images come alive that St. Paul uses, for example, of uh, the church as the bride of Christ and what this all means uh, in the mystical realm and what it means to be the church. Yes. And he said, I have betrothed you that the men were going out and doing illicit sexual things in Corinth, because that was a very uh, debauched city at the time. And he says, I have betrothed you to Christ, so you can't go out and do those things anymore. So with the harlots and so on, I betrothed you to Christ. Which And the the consummation of that wedding is going to be in the book of Revelation when we're there with Christ, but we're betrothed to him. We're legally bound and, in a sense, legally married to him, but not yet has he come to get us, right? Because, see, in the in biblical times, and we know from the the um, parable of the the virgins that have the oil lamps, some had oil and some didn't, and they said the bridegroom comes. They start to yell, the bridegroom is here, the bridegroom, the, and the kingdom of God will be like these virgins who went out to meet the bridegroom. At midnight, there's a cry, here comes the bridegroom, and he came, and they were ready and went into the marriage feast, and the door was shut. This is very much like the, the biblical times. The betrothal was there. They knew that they were married and that at a certain point the bridegroom was going to come and get his bride and take her to his house, and then the marriage is completed. This is exactly what happened in Nazareth. We went to a wedding, my wife and I. It was seven days, big feasting and everything. And then on the last day, we were at the bride's house, and the groom came with all of his family. And they came there, and they talked, and the women and men were separate, just like at Mary in uh, John chapter 2. The women and men would have been separate at the marriage in Cana. And then finally, the father of the groom stood up at this wedding at this family's house, and they said, we're here to take your bride to be my my son's uh, wife. And they agreed, and then he took the bride, and they got in the car, they went to the mass, celebrated, and they went off on their honeymoon, just like they did in biblical times. They were already betrothed. Everybody knew. And by the way, you're not allowed to be with the other one until you're betrothed in public. Once you're betrothed in public, now everybody knows it's a wedding, and you can be together. It's much more... Um, careful over there than it is here in the United States. I should think so. Uh, in the United States, half the wedding invites I get are from people who've been living together for a couple of years. Right? So <laughs> it's a, it's so, and you know, I mean, this is just a, a reminder uh, of how we shouldn't map our own kind of ideals and experiences of, of how marriage works back onto Mary and Joseph. And when you understand like all the things that you just said, well, then the idea of uh, Joseph and Mary having a chaste relationship makes a lot more sense because they took all these things, including Mary's pregnancy by the power of the Holy Spirit, very seriously as well. So all of this makes a whole lot more sense if you understand how marriage was treated in the the, the world that Jesus was born into. Exactly. That's why when, when we want to understand the scriptures and we want to understand the Christian life, we have to think of it in terms of what it was like at that time. And that's why even the studying the Bible and the context or going there and getting to know the land and the people that are still there is so important because it helps us then immerse ourselves in what it was like. And then when we hear the words like in Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul is talking about the husband loving the wife and the wife honoring her husband and the relationship, he says, oh, and by the way, I'm not really, the important thing is here is not talking about the marriage, but talking about the church and Jesus Christ. If we want to understand the church and our relationship to Christ, we have to understand what it was like back then, because those are the ideas and the words that Jesus and Paul are using. 
Well, thank you so much, Steve Ray, for shedding a little light on this and helping us better understand, you know, what was going on with Mary and Joseph and their heads and their hearts and their history as they marched toward Bethlehem for the birth of Christ. Um, great topic uh, for Advent. Have a wonderful day. We've got CatholicConvert.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Steve Ray, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. All right. Chris McGregor joins us next on this feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Stay with us. It's 14 till. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE, 844-55-BIBLE. Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Are you a new listener to EWTN Radio? Welcome. We're here for you 24-7. You'll hear live and interactive shows throughout the day to answer any questions you may have about the Catholic faith. There's trustworthy news from a Catholic perspective. And a large selection of podcasts available at EWTN's Podcast Central. And, of course, the daily mass, prayers, and everything you need to edify your soul. Welcome to EWTN Radio. We're blessed to have you with us. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 12 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am doing fine. I love Our Lady of Guadalupe, and I know that you love Our Our Lady of Guadalupe. Why do you love her so much? Oh, my gosh. There's, do we have about three or four more hours? I know, right? <laughs> the thing so about much. Our Lady of Guadalupe is that she's not an event. Yes, something happened on this day long ago in 1531. But she's an actual uh, presence in our lives. I, you know, I pray with her. I experience her. I, I feel her intercession because she, as she said to little Juanito all long ago, that 57-year-old man, her little Juanito, yes. do you not know that I am your mother? Mm. And she says that to all of us, doesn't she, Anna? She does. She does. I love Our Lady of Guadalupe so much. This story is is so, I mean, 
I hate to use a word like this for such an incredible apparition, but so sweet. And this is the topic of our selection from the Office of Readings this week, which recounts the story of Our Lady, of Our Blessed Mother, appearing to the little Juanito. Can you can you tell us the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe? Oh, yes. it's And this is what's so wonderful about the Office of Readings, and you all have access to it. You can find it online if necessary or inside your your breveries, you know, the, the thing is, this is taken from the traditional narrative, the Nakanmopohoa, mm. which is from that period, from the 16th century, right? And written it all down, the account. So we, it's the closest thing that do we have to an authentic um, a relating of the experience, right? Yeah. And what happens is uh, Juan Diego, again, he's 57. Now, I have to go down a rabbit hole real quick. Sure. Because Anna, I mean, how often do we hear about apparitions of Our Lady? And they're always to, to children, right? Yeah. And we love that. And she's so tender with them. And they become such great vehicles of grace for all of us. And yet, you know, we might think, okay, that was nice for kids. But here's an apparition that happens to a 57-year-old widow. Wow. who is being faithful, goes to Mass. He's trucking, you know, early in the morning to get to, to religious service to do holy work, as it says. And she appears to him. And she sees him not as, you know, a 57-year-old man, because she's a young woman. She's beautiful. She's just so incredibly beautiful. and she, But she's a young Indian girl with who is pregnant because mm-hmm. she has a sash around her her. Uh, around her waist, but she looks at little one and she says, do you not know that I'm your mother? Wow. You're my little one. You're all my children. I'm, of course, I'm paraphrasing. I hope people go and listen to this. And she entrusts him with a very important task. And she talks to me. I'm, not, you know, I'm up there in age, <laughs> but it's possible that she has this type of gaze upon all of us. It doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. For her, we're still her little ones. What a lesson for us, actually. I'm so glad that you brought that up. You know, we think of of the other famous, um, you know, big devotions that we have to Our Lady, like at Lourdes and Fatima, um, appearing to children. And, and here we have Juan Diego, almost 60 years old, but someone who was so pure of heart, someone who was childlike, um, in in his heart, and and I think that a lesson for us all that that age is not the issue here. It's mm-hmm. it's what's in the heart. Amen to that. That is that is so well said. Because I mean, here he is. He's he's going on his task, and yet he pauses because he hears. I think this is such a nice little note. He hears singing. Yeah, and it singing. He thinks, and he goes up the hill to Tipiak, and it, uh, and he and he's. What does he encounter? But this this vision of this girl who is her clothes shone like the sun. And she says to him, no, beloved son, then I am the immaculate ever Virgin Mary, mother of the true God, who is the origin of all life, who creates all things and keeps them in being. It is the Lord of heaven and earth. And, you know, here's the statement, 1531. I am the immaculate ever virgin yeah. Mary, mother of the true God. See, that the, the Holy Spirit is already affirming, which would become dogma, 
an understanding of the church. So this it goes this wonderful thread of the Holy Spirit. The truths that we understand just weren't manifested, you know, two thousand years after the occurrence of the Blessed Virgin, but has been something that the Holy Spirit has been communicating all this time. And what I love in what she has to say here. So she says, I greatly wish, I earnestly desire that my house should be built in this very place. I will show him to you there and praise him as I show him my love and compassion, my help and defense. For in truth, I am your compassionate mother, yours and all who live together in this land and of any others who love me, seek me and call on me with confidence and devotion in that house. I will listen to their weeping and their sadness. I will give them help in their troubles and a cure for their misfortunes. And and it is this apparition that brings about millions of conversions. Millions of people still go to visit Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, all this week, there are thousands of people flocking to this shrine that, that was built in her honor, seeking that consolation that her son brings through her. Oh, you know, and that's such a beautiful thought, isn't it? I mean, when she came, there were no borders. There weren't lines. She was saying for all in this land, for her, it was all of this whole area, this whole, this wonderful hemisphere. She comes and says, come to me. Am I your compassionate mother? She says, in truth, I am. You know, and I don't know about you, but in my office, in in so many different places in our home, I have images of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And when I turn to her and I go, oh, help me, mother. I've got this problem or I'm so happy. I'm so glad you're here. I thank you, blessed mother. You know, and I look at Our Lady of Guadalupe because, you know, she's our mother. She said so. And And so many flock to that. Look at how compassionate, how loving And what an action of God, because we know that God is love, and her words are words of love. Absolutely. Our Lady of Guadalupe said to him, am I not holding you in my lap, wrapped in my arms? What else can you possibly need? Do not be upset or distressed. Such beautiful words, such comforting words for us, even now nearly 500 years later, as we look to the comfort and the consolation of our Blessed Mother under the title of Our Lady of Guadalupe. We've been talking about it with Chris McGregor, and there's so much more that we did not get to in this story in the Office of Readings. So really want to encourage you to go check out the Office of Readings today. This story is just so incredible. Chris, thank you for sharing it with us. Yeah, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Pray for Pray us. For us. We've got discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a blessed feast day, everyone. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Feast of St. Lucy. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Family, because we've continued to receive many online gifts and one large donation, we've now exceeded our $60,000 pledge drive goal. Thank you. Yeah, we can now pay the light bills. And you know, to lead others into the light of Christ can be as simple as wearing a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt, which we will send you for pledging to give just $10 a month throughout 2024. To pledge now, visit sacredheartradio.com. Again, thank you for your support and telling others about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428.
The highest standards, integrity, and best practices are core values at Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, your partners in residential and commercial insurance repair and restoration. Rainbow International, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. 513-271-1000. The Comboni Missionaries present the 76th Annual Nativity Experience, a family favorite for generations. The birth of Christ is retold in an incredible room-sized animated diorama of the Holy Land. Admission is free. Donations to food banks accepted. The Nativity Experience at the Comboni Mission Center in Anderson. Open 6 to 8 p.m. daily, December 15th through 30th. Close Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. More information at ComboniMissionaries.org slash nativity. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hard-working professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience in fit-up and welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. I'm Deacon Joe Grody from St. Michael's in Sharonville. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word. Continuing our way on this Tuesday, December the 12th, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Let us praise God, our Almighty Father, who wished that Mary, his son's mother, be celebrated by each generation. Let us pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mary, full of grace, intercede for us. You made Mary the mother of mercy. May all who are faced with trials feel her motherly love. You wished Mary to be the mother of the family and the home of Jesus and Joseph. May all mothers of families foster love and holiness through her intercession. You gave Mary strength at the foot of the cross and filled her with joy at the resurrection of your son. Lighten the hardships of those who are burdened and deepen their sense of hope. You made Mary open to your word and faithful as your servant. Through her intercession, make us servants and true followers of your son. God of power and mercy, you blessed the Americas at Tepeyac with the presence of the Virgin Mary at Guadalupe. May her prayers help all men and women to accept each of each other as brothers and sisters. Through your justice, present in our hearts. May your peace reign in the world. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Good morning and welcome to Hour 3 of the Sunrise Morning Show here exclusively for our Sacred Heart Radio audience listening on 740 a.m. and 910 a.m. Good morning to everyone listening online and via the Sunrise Morning Show app. I'm Anna Mitchell. Paul Lockman will be along with a sports report coming up after the news. And up this hour, we'll take a look at this week in Catholic history with Kevin Schmeising. Dr. Jared Stout will continue our series on his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. And we're going to be talking about why, like, what exactly is receiving the Holy Eucharist supposed to do in our lives? Like, how is that supposed to affect us? And why doesn't it sometimes? Sister Alicia Torres will join us from the National Eucharistic Revival to reflect on Our Lady of Guadalupe, who is the patroness of the Eucharistic Revival, in addition to being patroness of the Americas. And then we'll wrap things up for the hour with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, continuing our Old Testament Bible study with uh, Ascension Press's Guide to the Old Testament. Today, we will unpack the book of Proverbs. So, hope you can stick around and enjoy the entire hour ahead. Right now, it's three minutes past, and news is a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. President Biden is hosting Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the White House today. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters the meeting comes at a time when Russian forces are ramping up attacks on civilian infrastructure in Ukraine. Zelensky's visit is also coming at a moment in Washington when negotiations for aid to Ukraine are ongoing. The Biden administration wants Congress to pass more than a $100 billion package for Ukraine, Israel, and other national security priorities. Zelensky will be meeting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill as well. Meanwhile, a new poll shows nearly half of voters believe the U.S. is spending too much on aid for Ukraine in its war with Russia. Mark Mayfield has more. The Financial Times Michigan Ross poll found that 48% of voters said the U.S. is sending too much financial and military support to Kiev. Meanwhile, 27% said the U.S. was spending the right amount and 11% said the spending was not enough. This comes as lawmakers are divided over an aid package requested by President Biden that includes funding for both Ukraine and Israel. Republicans are demanding U.S. border policy reforms in exchange for more Ukraine aid. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Texas mother at the center of a lawsuit over the state's abortion ban has left the state to get an abortion somewhere else. That according to the Center for Reproductive Rights, Kate Cox had brought a suit saying that her unborn child had been diagnosed with a fatal condition, but her doctors refused to care for her over claiming fears of prosecution. Last week, a court ruled in Cox's favor, but the state Supreme Court immediately paused that ruling. Pro-life pregnancy centers in Illinois, meanwhile, are celebrating after the state attorney general agreed to stop enforcing what they've described as a blatantly discriminatory law against them. A federal judge back in August had granted a motion for a preliminary injunction seeking to immediately halt the law that targeted pro-life pregnancy centers, allowing the Illinois Attorney General's office to investigate complaints against centers accused of using deception in order to persuade women to choose life for their unborn children. The injunction was requested in a lawsuit filed by the National Institute of Family Life Advocates. 
Under a proposed agreement, the state attorney general's office would be banned from enforcing the law. NIFLA president Thomas Glessner said in a statement, quote, let this be a stern example of what awaits them when attempting to pass and enforce similar laws. Look to Illinois and save taxpayer dollars for actually helping their communities instead of going after organizations that help women and their families, end quote. Pope Francis met yesterday with staffers of the Vatican's Office of the Auditor General, urging them to fight the insidiousness of corruption. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollick reports. The Office of the Auditor General, which the Pope himself established nine years ago, serves as the anti-corruption authority of the Holy See in the Vatican City State. In his address to staff, Pope Francis stressed the importance of eliminating corruption in the Vatican. As he is recovering from bronchitis, Pope Francis did not read his prepared speech, but instead handed it over to be read afterwards. Those who work at the Holy See in the Vatican City-State certainly do so faithfully and honestly, the Pope's speech read. The law of corruption, however, is so dangerous that we must be extremely vigilant. I know that you dedicate much time to this, the Pope added, stressing the need to balance absolute transparency in every action with discretion, since scandals, he said, serve more to fill the pages of the newspapers than to correct behavior in depth. In addition to this, the Pope stressed, I invite you to help those responsible for the administration of the Holy See's assets to create safeguards that can prevent corruption from materializing. Pope Francis continued his address by stressing three of the audit office's core characteristics, independence, attention to international principles, and professionalism, noting that many members of the office possess decades of high-level international experience and are dedicated to continuous on-the-job education. Pope Francis said that it is a moral obligation for them to be up-to-date about the continuing evolution of the field. The Pope concluded his speech by thanking the staff of the Audit Office for all their work and sending his best wishes for the Christmas season to them and their families. I'm Joseph Tullock. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. All right, let's go over what happened last night, Monday Night Football. Former Bengal Randy Bullock nailed a 37-yard field goal as time expired, and the Giants beat the Packers 24-22 at MetLife Stadium. The G-Men have now won three in a row and uh, sit at 5-8. and eight. Packers dropped to 6-7, and seven, a uh, unfortunate loss for a, a Green Bay team that had been playing well. How about this? Another upset. The Titans scored 15 points in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter to take down the Miami Dolphins 28-27. to Titans remain at the bottom of the AFC South with a 5-8 and record. Dolphins uh, sit with a 9-4 and record in the AFC East, but uh, they were trying to take that top spot in the AFC, and it seems like no one really wants it anymore. Bengals. Gearing up for a Week 15 opponent, that will be the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings say that they're expected to have star wide receiver Justin Jefferson, a uh, a, a big part of the Vikings' offense as he's recovering from a chest injury. Bengals sit outside the playoffs right now at seven and six, but it is a uh, log dra- log jammed traffic jam there in the AFC playoff picture. Hopefully, yeah, uh, and it's like all AFC North right y- now. Yeah, the the Browns and Steelers That's just keep division winning. division in football. Uh, on, it's not even an argument no. at this point. So uh, the, the Bengals. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, Bengals. Because we used to be fighting for the bottom of the NFL. Yeah, I, these these are tough teams, and uh, it's actually kind of fun. I, I root against them every week, but uh, I do admire uh, 
the the Baltimore Ravens and the the Pittsburgh Steelers and yeah. Cleveland Browns. I admire what they do so outside. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, it's kind of you know, yeah. pride. Take pride in your division. I mean, we we don't like these guys, but uh, you hopefully you see why we don't like these guys because they they can beat teams. They're pretty good. Exactly. So, uh, exactly. Uh, it's a lot of fun to uh, to see these teams come in um, two times or at least once a year, and uh, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's healthy. It's good. It's good. It's a healthy, healthy uh, competition. Competition. Perfect. All right. Hopefully there's no traffic jams out there on a Tuesday. A lot mm. more people like uh, being out on the road Tuesday than Monday. Yeah. Traffic, a service of Rose Automotive. Pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. I didn't like the groan. But uh, yeah. Go right we got ahead. a couple of accidents to, to kick things off today. Right lane blocked with an accident on southbound 75 at Shepherd. So uh, you're backed up. It's not a terrible backup behind it, back toward uh, Glendale, Milford, maybe towards Sharon, but then you'll remain slow until you get out of the Lachlan split. Northbound 75 also slowing as you approach the Lachlan split. There is an accident on westbound 275 toward the bottom of the loop at US 52, and you are stop and go back past five mile. Other slow traffic, let's stay on uh, 275. Um, going in the other direction, north and west, you will be slowing from Ward's Corner up toward the 71 interchange. Northbound 7175 is slowing from Turfway up to the cut in the hill. Did I mention 71 yet, Paul? Did I say 71? No, I don't think I did. Southbound 71, you're slowing from Field Zertle down toward the Norwood Lateral. Northbound 71, a little slow from the lateral up toward Kenwood. Now, for weather, a little bit warmer, but, you know, still wear a coat. Mostly sunny skies today in Cincinnati with a high of 47 degrees. Clear skies tonight with an overnight low of 29. Mostly cloudy tomorrow morning, then mostly sunny tomorrow afternoon with a high of 42. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sun today with a high of 47. Increasing clouds tonight and an overnight low of 25. So morning clouds tomorrow and then mostly sunny in the afternoon with a high of 42 degrees. Today is Tuesday, December the 12th, the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the pro-life movement. Kudos, I've just been receiving a flurry of text messages from a friend showing me pictures outside of Mount Notre Dame High School. Their pro-life club uh, set up a bunch of luminaria and outside the school they're getting a special prayer card today so um just a beautiful way to celebrate this feast of our lady of guadalupe so kudos to the pro-life club at mount notre dame and i would be remiss if i didn't wish a buono nomastico to my daughter rosemary named for our lady of guadalupe and also uh to my sister jane because today also she gets overshadowed by Our Lady of Guadalupe, the feast of St. Jane Francis de Chantal, the spiritual daughter of St. Francis de Sales. Pray for us. It's 13 past now. Matt? The Sunrise Morning Show continues with a look at this week in Catholic history. And here to do that with us, as always, is Kevin Schmeising, author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. He's also on the Catholic History Trek podcast. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. All right, tell me about Samuel Cooper. 
Samuel Sutherland Cooper, a prominent early American priest, died this week in 1843. Now, I say prominent, Matt. He was well known at the time, but he's been largely forgotten. In fact, I didn't know anything about him until I heard an episode on the American Catholic History Podcast from my friends Tom and Noel Crow. As far as I can tell, there's been no published book-length biography, there's no entry in the Catholic Encyclopedia, and there's not even a Wikipedia page for him. So everything I'm relating today is from a single article that appeared in a Catholic historical journal in 1926. But I think listeners will agree, his was a remarkable life. Samuel Cooper was born in 1769 in Norfolk, Virginia, into an upper-class Anglican family, but he was raised in an essentially non-religious way. He embarked on a successful career as a shipping merchant in Philadelphia, through which he traveled the world. He was in Paris when he became seriously ill, and this prompted reflection on spiritual things. When he returned to Philadelphia, he began a spiritual quest, both intellectually and, I guess you could say, geographically. He visited numerous churches of many denominations across the city. He was finally impressed by the high mass he attended at St. Augustine Catholic Church where he had a strong sense of the presence of Christ. In 1807, he joined the Catholic Church. He soon discerned a calling to the priesthood and entered the seminary in Baltimore. There, he met Elizabeth Ann Seton, fellow convert, and also in the early years of her apostolate, the wealthy Cooper became Seton's most important patron, funding and even helping to select the property in Emmitsburg that would be the site of the mother house of the Sisters of Charity. Cooper was ordained in 1818, spent time in parochial duties in the dioceses of Charleston, South Carolina, Philadelphia, and Richmond, Virginia. In Augusta, Georgia, that was in the diocese of Charleston at the time, he had an extraordinary experience, an apparent Eucharistic miracle when the host turned to flesh in his hands during consecration. In Philadelphia, he was involved in the trustee controversy that roiled the Catholic parishes there in the 1820s. By the 1830s, he was in poor health. He was invited to spend his final days in France with his friend, Jean Chevreux. That's someone we've talked about before, the former Bishop of Boston. He was a Cardinal and Archbishop of Bordeaux in France. Chevreux died in 1836, then Cooper died in 1843. It was this week, December 16th. The article I mentioned sums it up this way. The life story of Samuel Sutherland Cooper, scion of a wealthy Virginia colonial house, master mariner, world traveler, convert to the Catholic faith, priest, missionary, ascetic, and confessor to America's first cardinal is one of the strangest pages in American church history. Samuel Sutherland Cooper this week in 1843. Wow. How'd you like to sit down and have a cup of coffee with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> that would Man, be interesting. What a fascinating, fascinating story. Well, we head from there to Croatia and actually around the same period of time. Right. Just a few years later, the creation of the Archdiocese of Zagreb and Croatia. Now, I'm using the date for the Archdiocese because I couldn't find an exact date for the original creation of the diocese. That was all the way back in the 11th century. The Croat people settled the former Roman provinces of Pannonia and Dalmatia on the east coast of the Adriatic Sea in the 6th century. By that time, Christianity was already flourishing there. The Croats were gradually Christianized, and politically they were over the centuries at various times an independent nation, a part of the Holy Roman Empire, or the Kingdom of Hungary, or the Austro-Hungarian Empire. The capital of the realm was settled in Agram, or Zagreb, where, as I mentioned, a diocese was formed in the late 11th century. Zagreb was raised to the rank of Archdiocese on December 11th, this week in 1852. Probably the best-known Archbishop of Zagreb was Aloysius Stepanak, who was appointed in 1937. After World War II, Croatia was part of communist Yugoslavia, and Stepanak was convicted in a show trial of collaboration with the Nazi occupation during the war, and he was imprisoned. 
Pope Pius XII made him a cardinal in 1953. He died in 1960 and was beatified by John Paul II in 1998. Croatia gained its independence after the fall of communism and the disintegration of Yugoslavia. Today, there are about a million Catholics in the capital city's Archdiocese of Zagreb, so designated this week in 1852. Man, what another fascinating roundup of Catholic history from here and abroad. Kevin Schmeezing, we've got your book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks as always. Thanks. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Matt. All right, it's 18 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. we got traffic and weather coming up next. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when Chris Englund and Cora Pipkin will describe their 12-tied book on the 12 days of Christmas. Alan McLeorado will share his adventure Catholic parenting tip. I'll reflect on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. The Christmas Means Life campaign encourages you to add another person to your Christmas list, the baby Jesus, as represented by women and children in need by making a donation to your local pregnancy center. Another option is to support the JP2 Life Center, committed to saving lives with free pregnancy help services, holistic OBGYN care, and education programs. Find out more at jpiilifecenter.org. That's jpiilifecenter.org. Because Christmas means life. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. 20 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Still got the right lane blocked with an accident on westbound 275 at US 52, although it looks like uh, traffic behind it is easing, but uh, expect maybe a couple of extra minutes to your drive time if you are headed in that direction. Southbound 71 remains slow between 275 and the Norwood lateral. Southbound 75 is slowing as you head through the Lachlan split. Northbound 75 as you're approaching the Norwood lateral. Northbound 7175, you remain on the brakes from Turfway up to the Cut in the Hill. Now for weather, mostly sunny and a little warmer today in Cincinnati with a high of 47 degrees. Clear skies tonight with an overnight low of 29. Mostly cloudy tomorrow morning, then mostly sunny tomorrow afternoon and a high of 42. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, Sunshine today with a high of 47 degrees, increasing clouds tonight and an overnight low around 25. 
Some morning clouds, then mostly sunny tomorrow afternoon and a high of 42 degrees. On this feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the pro-life movement, please pray with me the prayer for Ohio. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart, offer the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. It's 22 past. Why do so many businesses choose to underwrite Sacred Heart Radio? It's because our radio signals reach over 600,000 Catholics locally who've told us they want to use the businesses they hear on Sacred Heart Radio. Listeners that are also in the perfect target consumer group, according to our latest survey. And this is the ideal time to get your business in front of our listeners with our special Christmas underwriting packages. To find out more, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal. As you begin a new year, take time to slow down, refocus, and experience the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support comes from On a Mission to Love for books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more, all deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing. Ken Herbert Plumbing, a drain cleaning specialist, uses color drain cameras to help find and fix drainage issues. Ken Herbert Plumbing, for residential and commercial plumbing repair. 513-383-2974. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We have been going through his book from Tan Books, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. Dr. Stout, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. So we have spent a lot of time together discussing the the actual reality of what's happening at Mass and, and just how amazing the gift of the Eucharist is. Now, with all of that in mind, can you discuss how this should be forming us for a truly Catholic culture? Well, we have to really avail ourselves of of these graces. And, you know, it's Advent, so I've been thinking so much about this that 
all of Israel is longing for the Messiah. And he finally comes. But then there he is in, in the stable, and there's no room for him in the inn when he actually comes. Mm. And so if culture is building up a whole way of life, the way that we start to build it, that is a, a Christian culture, is through communion with Jesus. And I think that, like I said, during Advent, we have this perfect image for that. How do we welcome Jesus into the inn of our own bodies, into our lives, and make him our greatest priority? Is the Eucharist the most important thing in your life? And when we say thing, I mean, this is how we have communion with Jesus Christ. This is how we have access to the Father through Jesus. This is everything. This is what gives us the ability to do everything else that we need to do. The answer is here. But I think like the Jews at the time of Jesus' birth, we can just kind of miss it. Even if we're going to Mass on Sunday, yeah. we can miss it. We I... can allow the actions to become so routine that we don't even let it sink in what's happening there. I was going to say, I mean, if all of this is the case... You know, the very life of God is going into our bodies as we receive and consume our Lord in the Eucharist. How is it possible that so many of us, even those of us who go to Mass every Sunday, live our lives in, in such a way that really makes it seem like we are completely unaffected by the life of God going into us each week? It's something that we should really pray about. Yeah. You know, um, Lord, I feel stuck. I'm not seeing the transformation in, in my life. <laughs> the problem's not on his end, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously on our end. And so what what's standing in the way? Mm. And this is something great to pray about during Advent. What is standing in the way of me receiving Jesus, of all of the grace that he wants to give me, of the transformation that he wants to do in my life? And if we want to receive the Eucharist fruitfully, we need to get rid of all those things that are standing in the way. And then what do we put in their place? I think a lot of it is even just desire. Do we desire this communion with Jesus more than anything else? Is that what we really want? Is that what we prioritize? Do we show that we want that? Are, are, throughout the week, are we thinking ahead to that Sunday? Are we showing up early to really make sure that we're in the right state of mind and to prepare ourselves after receiving? Are we allowing the graces to linger? Are we on to the next thing? Are we already talking to other people and distracted? Just let these graces soak in. I think that that's a really key thing. And then live from them. Mm. I mean, deliberately to say, Jesus, I can't do this, but I know that you can. And I know that you have come to me that your presence is still with me, and I'm relying on you. You know, you, you've mentioned Advent quite a bit um, already in this conversation, but why don't we go to, to Holy Week for a moment? Because I thought this was really beautiful in the book, how you, you discussed this receptivity to the graces of the Eucharist in light of those who were present at the foot of the cross. Can you tell us about that? Well, there's a lot of different figures that we can really meditate on and think, where, where are we at the crucifixion? And, and this matters in terms of the Eucharist because 
The crucifixion is made present to us during the Mass. You have Simon of Cyrene. He doesn't even want to be there. He's forced. <laughs> Think of all the people who are kind of drug into to coming to Mass, right? And so they're kind of like Simon of Cyrene. They're, he's forced to do it. You have the soldiers that are kind of also forced to be there. A lot of them mock Jesus. And, and we, we have people who are, you know, kind of skeptical. Um, so like the Jewish leaders or the Romans. Although one of the Roman soldiers, he's just... You know, may, maybe he shows up a little skeptical or, or maybe he's seeking. We don't know. And he says, this truly is the son of God. Yeah. Like he has this epiphany. And then there's obviously crowds that they're maybe curious. They don't really know what's going on or maybe they're not paying attention so much. And they just think, oh, yeah, it's an ex execution. But then there's some figures that we really need to attend to. And even though most of Jesus' disciples were gone, they weren't there. We have Mary and John. We have two other Marys who are there. And they're uniting themselves to the sacrifice. That this is when the sword of sorrow pierces Mary's heart. And, and she gives of herself to suffer with her son so that his one sacrifice also becomes her sacrifice, just like it's meant to become our sacrifice during the Mass. Um, and so these are different dispositions that we can have at mass as we see in all these different figures and in a way it, it boils down to two because there were three crosses on the hill mm. jesus is the one in the center and we'll never you know be jesus obviously there's one son of god and one perfect sacrifice that he offered for us but we're either going to turn to him and say jesus remember me let me come into your sacrifice or the other thief who mocks him and rejects what he's doing for him. At the end of the day, I mean, every mass is like a choice. Are we who are sinners, are we going to approach the sacrifice like the good thief or we will reject it and let it just pass right by us even though it's right there like the bad thief? Mm. I mean, it's such a convicting uh, image for all of us to to really take to prayer. And and as you were saying that, I'd I'd also love for you to reflect on the image of Saint John at the foot of the cross with our Blessed Mother, because you think about him compared to the other apostles who all ran away in fear; they weren't there, and he could have very well been, you know. <laughs> killed right alongside Jesus, you think about it, he did not let that fear keep him from being there with our Lord. And and I think, I don't know if you would agree, but it, it feels like a metaphor for today because so many people fear looking too religious in this day and age, fear being identified as, as a disciple of Christ. We can look to St. John and the Blessed Mother and Mary Magdalene um, as 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 those who stood up there as disciples of Christ in spite of of perhaps the dangers of the culture around them. It, it makes me think of the great dream of St. John Bosco when it looked like the church was going to sink, you know, this mm. great ship in the midst of the storm and pirates. And, and he says that the ship was saved when it sailed between two pillars. And at the top of one pillar was the Eucharist and the top of the other pillar was Our Lady. Wow. At the Last Supper, when Jesus first gave us the Eucharist, 
It was St. John who laid his head down upon the chest of Jesus, showing us the divine intimacy that we receive in communion, heart to heart. Right? He laid his head down on top of Jesus' heart, pointing us to what we're really doing during communion. He's the one who really entered most deeply into that. And then what do we see at the foot of the cross? Who is he there with? Well, he's there with Jesus' mother, who at that moment becomes his mother. And so that's what I would simply say, like, we can have the same kind of courage if we live a life guided by those two lights. The Eucharist really is the center, and we allow ourselves to be guided by our mother. Today's Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. And traditionally, right, we, we recognize that she's pregnant as this great sign that appears in the sky. She is the one who gives us the flesh of Jesus. His flesh comes from her flesh. And so she is the mother of the Eucharist. And so when we're talking about coming to Mass and having the right disposition of being like the good thief, of being like St. John and like Our Lady, we should ask our mother to help us to do that. Mother, help me to make a good communion. Help me to come before your son and to receive him fruitfully. Yeah. As I kneel um, awaiting the Eucharist at Mass, I, uh, I pray for the Blessed Mother to be at the gate of my heart ready to welcome her son. I think a similar prayer that you're bringing up just now. Just beautiful, beautiful thoughts from Dr. Jared Stout. And you can read more about it in his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Stout, thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you very much. All right, it's uh, 30, wow, time flew. I really got lost in that conversation. 35 minutes past the hour now, it's time for news. President Biden is hosting Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the White House today. Zelensky's visit is coming at a critical moment in Washington as negotiations continue for aid to Ukraine. The Biden administration wants Congress to pass its more than $100 billion package for Ukraine, Israel, and other national security priorities. Zelensky will also be meeting today with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Meanwhile, a new poll shows nearly half of voters believe the U.S. is spending too much on aid for Ukraine. Mark Mayfield reports. The Financial Times, Michigan or maybe not. We don't have that. We'll move on. A Texas mother at the center of a lawsuit over the state's heartbeat law has left the state to get an abortion elsewhere. That, according to the Center for Reproductive Rights, Kate Cox had brought a suit saying that her unborn child had been diagnosed with a fatal condition, but her doctors refused to treat her over fears of prosecution. Last week, a court ruled in Cox's favor, but that was immediately paused by the state Supreme Court. Pro-life pregnancy centers in Illinois, meanwhile, are celebrating after the state attorney general agreed to stop enforcing what they've described as a blatantly discriminatory law against them. A federal judge back in August had granted a motion for a preliminary injunction seeking to immediately halt the law that targeted pro-life pregnancy centers. It had allowed the Illinois attorney general's office to investigate complaints against centers accused of using deceptive practices simply because they would not refer for abortions. The injunction was requested in a lawsuit by the National Institute of Family Life Advocates, or NIFLA. 
Under the proposed agreement, the attorney general's office would be banned from enforcing this law. It will be a sober Christmas celebration for Christians in Jordan who are planning low-key celebrations as a gesture of solidarity with Palestinians. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Christmas will be different this year in the Kingdom of Jordan. No lights will shine as Christians celebrate the coming of the Lord. The usually cheerful festivities will be muted at the request of Christian leaders in the country in a gesture of solidarity with the suffering Palestinian people just across the border. Pope Francis has repeatedly called for a ceasefire in Gaza where more than 18,000 people have died since Israel began military operations on the 8th of October. The decision to cancel festivities, including bazaars, musical celebrations and the distribution of gifts came from the Jordanian Council of Churches, which asked that its communities restrict their Christmas celebrations to prayer and religious ceremonies, as well as on donating to funds in support of children in Gaza. Over 10,000 children have died so far in the Strip. Moreover, almost 2 million people have been displaced, with nowhere to go, and with neither food nor water. Observers are describing the situation as desperate, a humanitarian catastrophe. Bethlehem, too, will be dim over the Christmas period. There will be no Christmas tree at the traditional site of Jesus' birth. We will celebrate in sobriety, said Father Francesco Paton of the custody of the Holy Land. No celebrations this year, as the world weeps for the victims of violence. I'm Francesca Merlo. 8.39 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Here's Paul Ackman. Last night, Monday Night Football saw a, uh, a couple of upsets. How about this? The Packers went down 24-22 to after a former Bengal. Randy Bullock nailed a 37-yard field goal and the New York Giants pulled away with a win. Giants improved to 5-8. and eight. Packers dropped to six and seven other upset titans scored 15 points in the final three minutes and change as the uh tennessee takes down the miami dolphins 28 to 27 on the uh, monday night double header dolphins uh still sitting atop the afc east at nine and four while the titans are five and eight college basketball tonight bearcats continue their season as uh, cincinnati host bryant Musketeers are off till the weekend when uh, Xavier will host Winthrop. Dayton is off, also off until Saturday when they'll match up against the Cincinnati Bearcats. All right, let's check in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. If you would like to write to Sacred Heart Radio, our address is Sacred Heart Radio, 100 East 8th Street, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45202. Our phone number is 513-731-7740. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. 
Sister Alicia Torres is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. She's a member of the Franciscans of the Eucharist in Chicago and manages the Heart of the Revival e-newsletter as part of the National Eucharistic Revival Executive Team. Sister, good morning. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you. And we're going to be talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe today, Mm. Uh, her feast, December 12th. She is the patroness of the Eucharistic Revival, is she not? Why is that? You know, well, Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patroness because in a very profound way, when she came to the Americas and appeared to Juan Diego, her main desire was to have a temple, a church built so that her son could be worshipped and glorified. And that means precisely that the Mass could be celebrated and the Eucharist adored. Yeah, and Juan Diego, wasn't he on his way to Mass when she appeared to him? He was on his way to Mass. Yeah. He was, absolutely. So he himself already had that connection to the Lord. However, you know, his, his, his identity was really kind of crushed by the weight of the experience that he was having with the Spaniards coming into Mexico and all of these things. So Our Lady really helps to ennoble and enliven him and his mission of being part of the body of Christ. How have you been reflecting on Our Lady of Guadalupe this year, sister? You know, for me personally, I've been thinking about how John Paul II talks about in Ecclesia of the Eucharistia that Our Lady helps us, or he's, she's, yeah, she's helping us to contemplate the face of Christ. And gazing upon the Eucharist is, in a very real way, contemplating the face of Christ and how her loving gaze is this model for me of how I can love Jesus and then through that gaze on him be able to see him in those that I encounter. Right, because, I mean, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, she is actually pregnant with our mm-hmm. Eucharistic Lord. Mm-hmm. She is. She is. She's uh, the, all, of the, all of the imagery from the culture um, of the time indicates that she's a woman that's expecting. Um, and actually, Father Tim Odenhoven, who's been writing some essays for us mm-hmm. about Our Lady of Guadalupe and the Eucharist, noted in his very first film last year that she's actually dancing like there's this joy about her um and we ought we ought to have joy when we're in the presence of our lord it's so wonderful yeah yeah it definitely is you know i think it's kind of fitting i hope you can reflect on this that that her feast day always happens within the context of the season of advent when we are called to be more quiet to to mm. cultivate silence in our lives. I was thinking about the the miracle of those roses mm. that were growing on this rocky hillside. I mean, it's such a, a peaceful, silent sign that mm-hmm. that cut right to the heart of Juan Diego's bishop. Absolutely, you know that was um, part of their culture too. The floricanto flowers and song were so important to the indigenous people as far as a way of connecting with their gods and so when our lady appears and effectively is the best evangelist of all history you know like thousands upon thousands millions upon millions of people you know because of her message of christ's love and mercy enter the church and and are baptized um and so the bishop would have certainly had a sense of that but that silent beautiful um image of the flower is, is so fitting, and, and it's a sign of worship, right, that we're offering the beauty of God's creation back to God, and Our Lady knew that. You know, this is one of the reasons why outside of Advent and Lent, we, we have flowers upon our altar. That's a sign of our offering and our very gift of self to the Lord as we prepare and celebrate the Mass. 
And do you think the Eucharist is a miracle of silence as well? I think that that's a perfect way for us to enter into reflecting on the Eucharist, especially as we draw close to Christmas, is that all of that happened in silence, right? The incarnation in the womb of Mary and the hands of the priest, he, he speaks the words in the person of Christ, right? This is my body, this is my blood. And then in those silent moments, he's holding the Lord before us at that moment of consecration and elevation. And so there is a real call in this time to rediscover the power of silence in the Mass. Pope, um, Pope Francis talked about that in Desideria Desideravi. And I really hope that every single person listening this morning takes that to heart because there's no greater way to commune with God than in that deep and rich and strong silence. Amen. Amen. So, you know, this is our our final Advent before the Eucharistic Congress coming up in the summertime uh, next year. What do you think Our Lady of Guadalupe, how do you think Our Lady of Guadalupe is is inviting us to to come to our Eucharist? our Eucharistic Lord in this year? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I think it's the same thing that she's always done is to Jesus through Mary, right? Mary's mission is a participation in the mission of her son. And so all of us, the Lord is inviting all of us through this revival to refix our gaze upon Christ in the Eucharist. So to contemplate the face of Christ in the school of Mary, like John Paul II said, was in a sense a program for the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And there's no better way to do that than in the presence of the Eucharist. Most definitely. We've been talking to Sister Alicia Torres. And Sister, if uh, listeners have not signed up for the Heart of the Revival uh, newsletter that you manage, how can they do so? Yeah, eucharisticrevival.org slash newsletter. Nice. We have that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We've been talking to Sister Alicia Torres. Sister, really appreciate your time and your reflections this morning. Thank you for having me. God bless you. You too, sister. Thank you very much. All right. We'll talk about the book of Proverbs coming up next with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. Stay with us. It's 13 Till. If you just received Sacred Heart Radio's Christmas newsletter, then you also receive the QR card for everyone to scan our QR code and get the Sacred Heart Radio app. Then they can hear us on their smartphone from anywhere and car radio through Bluetooth, where it sounds better than FM and never fades no matter where they travel. So to shine the light of Christ into every soul you know, flash the QR card and share the media source you use to hear the good news. Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support is from MetaShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number. 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program 
led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Have you used our QR code to download the Sacred Heart Radio app? The app lets you hear Sacred Heart Radio from anywhere and gives you access to the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast. To get the app, visit sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code. For our weekly Old Testament Bible study here on the Sunrise Morning Show, we have been using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can get a copy for yourself. Study along with us at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And we're back this morning with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, one of the contributors to this guide. Good morning, Dr. Morrow. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine. Excited to get to talk to you again. We're getting a primer on the book of Proverbs today, and this, the guide tells us, is a primer itself on living the good life. So can you talk about Proverbs as being the the foundational wisdom book? What does that mean? Well, that's a great question. I think it's foundational in the sense of when you think of wisdom literature, this is really exactly what it's supposed to be, a kind of a guide for how to live. And this is the same in other non-Israelite, non-biblical traditions in the sense of you can have wisdom texts that are trying to give you to be a guide for life. So when we think about what's in the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, books like Job, Proverbs, Psalms, they don't all easily fall into that category the way that Proverbs does. But the the most important part, I think, though, is to understand the way in which Proverbs, in a sense, teaches the law of God in a way that's accessible to non-Israelites, in a way that, in a way that Gentiles might understand. Yeah, that is so interesting. You, you have in the guide here kind of a side-by-side comparison in, in how uh, the law and how particular it was to Israel and how universal, how, how, how Proverbs can, can sort of universally apply that law. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's the big contrast, right, is the law of Moses in some ways, is intended to help separate the people, Israel, from the rest of the nations, and it's to help teach them to follow God, so they have to be separate and other. And the focus with the Davidic covenant, so David and then Solomon, which is where the majority of the wisdom literature is attributed to, is then universalizes it. It's now the idea is now we need to bring in the nations, we need to bring them in to worship the one God of Israel. And that's key, I think, of Solomon's reign. Um, the temple, when he built it, the largest portion is built with Gentiles in mind. And I think the book of Proverbs is like that. So we know that the nations came to Israel to learn the wisdom of God from Solomon. Mm. And so this book of Proverbs is largely attributed to King Solomon, but apparently he's not the only one who wrote some of these words of wisdom, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, there's, uh, there's these two obscure figures, we're not exactly sure who they are. There's Agur and then Lemuel. And um, it's not clear. The rabbis argue that Lemuel was probably just another name for Solomon. I don't think so. Hmm. It's possible. But it seems like these were kings of Massah, so either northern Arabia or southern Syria. 
Uh, it's not exactly sure who, who they were, but during the reign of Hezekiah, uh, they were kind of collected together with Solomon's Proverbs. And to me, in my opinion, that actually lends to the case of historicity, because a lot of scholars will doubt the authorship and the attribution of these texts, uh, and that's for most texts. But to me, you know, why then attribute this? They don't even attribute all of this that is Solomonic to him himself. If you look at Proverbs 25 to 29, it says that these were compiled from Solomon, but during the reign of Hezekiah. Hmm. And then you have these obscure figures, Agur and Lemuel, who probably are not even Israelites. <laughs> and yet the Spirit of God inspires them, and they are collected together in the sacred scriptures. And to me, that attests to its historicity. Yeah, and can you talk about the, the I guess, the, the, the literary types that are found in the book of Proverbs, and give us a little outline of, of how this book is structured? Sure, sure thing. So the uh, I would say the majority of what you're finding here are these kind of proverbial sayings, and that's important because this is not mostly, this is not historical narrative, it's not, uh, but it's there's these poetic, proverbial, wise sayings. So you, you basically, you can structure it in different ways. I don't have the text in front of me, but how I would understand at the beginning, I would kind of off the top of my head, look at it in kind of uh, uh, seven different kind of sections. So you have two sets of Proverbs of Solomon. So that takes us roughly through chapter, part of chapter 22. So the first 22 Proverbs, if you will, right. are attributed to Solomon. Okay. Then you have these kind of anonymous words of the wise. There's two sets there as well. Um, those are also typically in the tradition attributed to Solomon, but less explicitly. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's more that are attributed to Solomon, but they're from the time of Hezekiah. I mean, it actually says that these are com- compiled during Hezekiah's reign, king of Judah. And that, that's the last couple, like 25 to 29, roughly. And, that's when, and then after that, you have these add-ons from these probably non-Israelite kings, Agur and Lemuel. And that's what ends... Right, Proverbs 30 and Proverbs 31. I love that there's stuff compiled from Hezekiah. I mean, knowing his story and trying to return to what the kingship was supposed to be, it it seems fitting that they would be compiling the wisdom of Solomon in that way. I agree. I agree, although at the same time, if you were making this up, you probably would not do that. You would probably just say Solomon took his pen out and wrote all this. Exactly. So I think that's uh, helpful. Exactly. Now, um, just quickly, because we are uh, running out of time here, but um, you have Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Can you talk about them before we let you go here, Dr. Morrow? Sure. I mean, I think Lady Wisdom is right, the personification, both of the Holy Spirit and then Our Lady. Mm. And I think a lot of times when you see wisdom in the Old Testament, there's, it's hints at the Holy Spirit, the role of God as Holy Spirit. And then it becomes an archetype of uh, of Our Lady. And, of course, the opposite, uh, not being faithful, not being docile to the Lord would be folly. Yeah. Well, I wish we had more time because there's so much more that we could talk about with the book of Proverbs. But that's all the more reason to go pick up your own copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament that you can find through Ascension Press. Dr. Morrow, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. All right, that'll do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show on this Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. 
family because we've continued to receive many online gifts and one large donation. We've now exceeded our $60,000 pledge drive goal. Thank you. Yeah, we can now pay the light bills. And you know, to lead others into the light of Christ can be as simple as wearing a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt, which we will send you for pledging to give just $10 a month throughout 2024. To pledge now, visit sacredheartradio.com. Again, thank you for your support and telling others about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, Drs. David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. What attracted me to the Catholic Corps was simply that I was looking to serve God with my whole heart, but not feeling called to the priesthood. Yeah, what do I do? Where do you go? Helping families grow in holiness, grow together, grow in truth is the solution, in my mind, the long-term solution for the world and the family. Visit the Catholic Corps Consecrated Communities for one week this spring and fall. Sign up today at afc.org cc. Central Fabricators, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, custom builds and repairs corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. These are used to manufacture liquids used in everyday products like health and beauty aids, pharmaceuticals, and food. Central Fabricators uses the latest in technology and modern equipment to deliver quality products, and big orders are not a problem. Central Fabricators, ASME certified, and on the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. I'm Father Dan Schmidtmeyer, Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at 6.